Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Previously on Free Range Idiocy, Six was having a baby, Boomer was having a baby, Hilo was doing all the right things and still getting his head kicked in for it. I can't remember exactly what Ty was doing, but let's face it, he was probably drinking. Starbuck was dead, and then she wasn't. Adama was reading a book uh, alone in a raptor in the middle of the cosmos, and Chief was about to Hulk smash somebody and also finding out he was a Cylon, so it was a pretty tough day altogether. We now come to the final region of our March Madness bracket, and your humble idiotic hosts will do their best to make more impossible decisions while keeping this show somewhere under six hours in this episode 98 Battlestar Galactica bracket region four. I am your Uncle Todd and with me as always is the man who is at the same time a legend of the video gaming world while still completely incapable of hitting a Tim Wakefield knuckler in MLB 97. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and only gets beat by eight-year-olds in online gaming occasionally. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations my friend. Now that knuckler is up down a B start start select right <laughs> i do believe that's incorrect although right. i am the wrong person to ask I, I never had a nintendo i never had a genesis i never had a sega genesis until we moved in together oh boy and then i i kind of had like half a sega genesis by proxy i i roomied into a sega genesis uncle todd went went nutso when when we had that <laughs> Oh yeah, that was because I I skipped that. I had an Atari back in the day, like not even a cool like the fifty six hundred. I had the twenty six hundred, like OG Atari. Yeah, and then skipping right to Sega Genesis, it was like, oh my gosh, like my eyes were open, the heavens shone down, and I was, I was like, oh my gosh, all the time that I'm going to waste with this. Oh, you're gorgeous controllers flying across the room yeah that too <laughs> then i made that Ill- ill-conceived move of buying a playstation during finals week you remember that one yeah what could possibly go wrong there <laughs> i know <laughs> I, I think the answer is pretty clear it was academic probation for me and <laughs> you somehow managed to get good grades i was the one who was uh, like how did this what but you were up every night with you you were like yeah i'm not a complete moron like, oh yeah that there is that <laughs> But anyways, oh, uh, I do I do wonder. But so when you're playing, because uh, you, you've pretty much kind of given up on squadrons at this point. I haven't heard you mention that in a long time. Uh, yeah, I I really have not not played. I have been really immersed in Star Wars: The Old Republic, and recently, just coming out of their their update and and kind of you know leveling off with my smuggler character. I I wanted to take a breather switch back over to uh some some strategy some some civilization which we'll talk later uh, uh and i yes. also have eve online which which is another game i like to play so i'm i'm, I'm kind of getting the you know the the, the itch to kind of switch back to something a little different but uh you know definitely centered on star wars the old republic so 
Well, the war- weather is getting warmer, so when your wife finally does kick you back out into the garage just for yeah. being a complete video game schlub, at least you won't be freezing. So you have that going for you. There you go. There you go. Which, you know, sometimes that's all you need. Indeed. Well, we can, uh, we do have a full schedule of episodes to go through. This is Region 4, dude. Like, you were mentioning it before. Like, we're... We've managed to do three of these shows so far. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've aged in dog years doing it too, because it's I'm been still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's better than the heel of noir like stripper <laughs> theme that you were doing last week. So, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, no tassels for this one. Although, well, Elton John is involved, so I mean, you know that one of his shows, along with the Donald Duck costume, yep. there was there was tassels involved. Let's just leave it at that. However. Before we get to that, we do have a little business to take care of here, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a whole bunch of little things here that uh, that we've uh, that uh, the man called they called Tim has scoured the interwebs for and, and collected, and we're going to talk about these. Uh, but first, we got a sponsor ah. for the Weekend Geek. This episode's Weekend Geek is sponsored by Colonel Thai Brand Ambrosia, a mixture of the finest Aralon wheat and Aquarian desalinated seawater. It's an enchanting middle ground between a fine distilled spirit and the sort of toilet hooch found in the lousiest of new Capricorn's holding cells. With only five reported cases of blindness and 10,000 bottles sold, it's earned the Colonel Ty seal of approval. Available wherever Baltar brand cigars and Hilo Noir trench coats are sold. Colonel Ty brand ambrosia, when you don't just want to forget your problems, but completely nuke them out of existence. Week in So So what do we got for the Weekend Geek this week, sir? (laughs) Well, hitting leadoff in our Weekend Geek extravaganza is uh, actually a a, taking a step back again from the Red 5. I had a Red 5 all set to go today, but no, no. Uh, I'm going to set it aside because Uncle Todd needs to get some things off his chest. I, I, I think... Uh, we've, you know, the, the NFL has, has, has once again, uh, done uncle Todd wrong, uh, and not through fantasy football, uh, but through, through other shenanigans. And so, sir, there, there have been some developments over the weekend that, that you are not thrilled with that, that, you know, you, you are, you are needing to, to vent, to, to let, to release a little bit of, of, of that bile, that anger. The, let the hate throw flow through you sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not so much that the NFL has done me wrong so much as they've done humanity wrong. And um, oh, yes. they've they've uh, they have uh, piqued my ire, if you will. Now, uh, maybe some of people have uh, heard this news. And you know what? Let me just first say I, I, I had it coming. I had it coming because I had given up the NFL several years ago now. I just can't take it anymore. I can't deal with the inconsistency, the the outright, you know, fabricating of reality and also just the the blatant lying about who and what they are. I just can't take it anymore. And so therefore, and all for like, you know, the five minutes worth of actual game action that you have that you have to sit through three hours in order to get like between those two factors is just like, I, I no, sorry, I got to get off this ride. It's, it's, it's become an abusive relationship. However. I had started to allow them to pull me back in because I'm, you know me, I'm a big like trivia behind the scenes, like inner working sort of thing. So I've always appreciated all the machinations that go on in the off season and t- how teams are put together and all that stuff. So it started kind of getting into that. And then 
we get the Deshaun Watson trade and sign. Oh, dear. Which. All right. So this dude's got 22 civil suits pending against him as of the recording of this podcast. Twenty two for varying shades of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Mm. Twenty two. That is a two followed by another two. Yes. Now. Cleveland traded for him for, uh, for him knowing about these suits. I'm guessing, I mean, it's the Browns, but you want to say that they've at least got the internet in Cleveland. I'm guessing they understood. They traded for this dude three first round picks and a cut, and I think a second and a third. Like essentially, it's the same draft package that that, that Costner gave up in draft day, except <laughs> they didn't get the, the seconds back. Oh, dear. And he didn't get to call someone a pancake eating mother, you know. And so. Uh, they they that's a that's a lot right there anyways Mm -hmm. for a dude who just sat at home last season because his team didn't know what the heck to do with him and just was happy to pay them pay the man 10 million dollars to sit his ass at home they then signed him to a contract for 230 million dollars fully guaranteed now Ouch. No one's ever asked me to be a general manager of an NFL football team, but but you played one in our apartment when you did Madden. <laughs> exactly, and you know what? <laughs> I don't think that you really need to have that job title in order to to understand the basic concept of you don't give out a quarter billion dollars to someone who has twenty two pending lawsuits against them, <laughs> along with mortgaging the rest of the future of your team for the next three years. Good sweet mother of. God, who is the moron? Oh, wait a minute. Actually, I know who the moron is in charge over at Cleveland uh, because he released. uh, uh, Who is this? D and Jimmy Haslam. Oh, no, they're the owners, I think. Uh, We spent a tremendous amount of time exploring and investigating the opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson. We are ac- we are acutely aware and empathetic to the highly personal sentiments expressed about this decision. Gee, you frickin' think? Our team's comprehensive evaluation process was of utmost importance due to the sensitive nature of his situation and the complex factors involved. Yeah, because he apparently can't keep him, keep control of himself when someone comes over to give him a massage. So that's very complex. We also understood there are some there are still some legal proceedings that are ongoing, and we will respect it. some 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 me and d and jimmy have got an awfully different version of what some means because to me like if i've got some apples and i have 22 apples like wow that's a lot it's even more when the ideal is zero (laughs) you know what the ideal number of, of pending legal suits to have against you zero none he's got 22 that's not some that is a metric load. <laughs> and yet, we're going to give this dude a, almost a quarter of a billion dollars. It's fully guaranteed. Like, he doesn't play a game, and he's getting all that cash. Now, granted, I don't know what sort of legal weaseling is going on in this. Mm-hmm. However, however, the fact that this team would trade that much and that there were multiple teams just goes to prove once again if you can play a little bit of football and maybe save someone's save someone's butt from getting fired or sell a few jerseys 
doesn't matter how much of a crap person you are. Someone's going to welcome you with open open arms. It's freaking ridiculous, dude. It is absolutely ridiculous. You can be as much of a trash human being as as you want to be. If you can ball, you are going to have work. In the meantime, oh, except if you do something that might screw the point spread, if there's a possibility that, you know, you might have deflated some footballs and that gave you a competitive advantage, even though, of course, you know, these people have never heard of the ideal gas law and the fact that, you know, inflation goes down when it's freaking cold. But I mean, you know, science, <laughs> we all, we've all learned over the past two years just how much that means to some people. Anyways, you do something to screw the point spread like, oh, I don't know, Calvin Ridley, who is suspended for the rest of this year. For, he's suspended indefinitely. He's not going to play this season. Mm. Because he placed like one bet. Now, granted, I'm not defending that chucklehead because he pro- that's probably somewhere along the line that you don't bet on the game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's for crying out loud. Pretty good common sense. But I mean, still, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, people are launching things into space. So whatever. I mean, there's meatheads in every variety of 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 life on this planet. But. That dude's sitting out the whole season. The, the the suspension they were talking about for Deshaun Watson, the possibility of a six-game suspension. If you managed a 7-Eleven like this, yes. someone from corporate would be knocking your door going, you know what? You got to shut down. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, you know, we can't have you be smirching the good name of 7-Elevens. We wish you well on your future endeavors. Exactly. But no, you can still ball. Come on in. We'll give you one of the biggest contracts in NFL history in spite of having pending legal cases against you for sexual assault and sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. At that point, I ain't got nothing. I mean, it was already solidified because we've seen it time and time again with different players who they beat their wife, they beat their girlfriend, and they get like one game suspension, two game suspension, or they get put off or no one talks about it and it gets buried. They go to a different team and everything is fine. You have LeGarrette Blunt who, who like punched a fan back in the day and all these things happen. And yet, Colin Kaepernick still sitting at home. Mm-hmm. NFL always needs quarterbacks, obviously, by this move where they're willing to pay a dude almost a quarter billion dollars. But yet you got the Brett Hunleys of the world who's starting from Deer Fart, Arkansas, Division three school. (laughs) And they're putting him in during a playoff run. Because, oh, well, no one available. And Colin Kaepernick's like, really? I went to a Super Bowl. Granted, I lost, but I went to a freaking Super. I went to as many Super Bowls at the time as I think that their guy Aaron Rodgers had been to. And he can't get a tryout. Yeah. So you're trying to tell me like this is this is the this is the organization I ought to give money to? Mm, nah, as our uncle Corny might say, screw that with a Rusty Phillips. I'm done. <laughs> I am done. So I have a question for you. Yes, sir. You still gonna do fantasy football next season? I'll have to think about it. No, I'm not doing fantasy football next year. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I anyway, feel, I, you, I feel better. I feel like the I feel like the, the demons have been exercised from this room. This place is clear right. now. All right. All right. Just, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm just checking because uh, that, that, that was 
that, that <gasps> was a sight to behold and to hear, my friend. So, <sighs> well, said. well, you said. know, I, I felt like I was channeling Jan, our, our buddy Uncle Corny there for a little bit, and it felt good. Felt good, honestly. And Actually, now I understand. At, at one point, you were channeling. I thought I was co-hosting with Lewis Black. I, you know, I thought you know there was going to be the sound of a vein popping, you know, out of your head there uh, as you were, you know, going off. Oh, I, then, I, I, yeah. You literally sounded like Steve Carell from The Big Short. Uh, when you said zero, because <laughs> she has a line like that, zero. <laughs> yeah. Well done. I was. Sir. I actually. Well I watched a, a Lewis Black special back from like 2016, and he. It, some of the funniest bits were just him flummox. He's like, "What's my job anymore? My job has always been to point out the ridiculous, or my job was. <laughs> I always knew that I was crazier than what was going on. I can't say that anymore." <laughs> That was fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Let's get on to something happy here because I don't want to dwell on that. Oh, and by the way, so the, just a, a little PS, an addendum to that. The Cleveland Browns, as we all know, uh, apparently are they, like the quarterback position to them is like the drummer from Spinal Tap. <laughs> oh, gosh. They cannot get it right. Since they've come back to the NFL in 1999, there's been 31 starting quarterbacks. And the best one before Baker Mayfield, arguably, mm-hmm. Kelly Holcomb. Yeah. When when the, when Kelly Holcomb is mentioned as one of your top quarterbacks in franchise history, you got problems. Yeah. And so now they had their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and now they've completely ticked him off, and everybody knows that they're going to trade him. So they're going to get Jack Squat for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After they just traded like the farm along with like somebody else's farm for this other cat so they could pay him a quarter billion dollars. Indeed. I mean, it's it's quite honestly, it's the most Cleveland Brownist thing. It's the most Cleveland Browns thing that the Cleveland Browns have ever done. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know what? I and 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 I just want to say this. I I don't I don't want to I don't want the people of of Cleveland to to think that I have any ill will towards them because I don't. It's not against the the people of Cleveland. I just hope that your football team just completely plummets to the bottom of the NFL and that they just stay there for years because after this they totally deserve it. Well said. Thank well said. you. So what else are we going to talk about? Uh, now that we've lost now that we've lost every listener that we might possibly have had in the city of Cleveland in the greater Cleveland area. Well, my friend, Friday evening, I was out to dinner with the missus and I was uh, yes. thumbing through Twitter as I was enjoying my bourbon and listening to our uh, favorite acoustic guitar player kind of strumming some some fantastic tunes, which, by the way, two sets of or not two sets, but but two uh, two times he did Thunderstruck on the acoustic guitar it was a sight to behold. Um, but I'm sitting there enjoying and I flip through Twitter. and I nearly spew out the bourbon I was sipping on because I saw probably what has to be <laughs> one of the stories I did not expect to see, which is basically that one Christopher Lloyd Marty is coming to Mendo season three. So, I mean, he kind of had to, because at this point, I mean, he was, he, he was Doc Brown from back to the future. Mm-hmm. He was a Klingon mm-hmm. in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be in Star Wars. See, I, I think there's something about this show because we, I mean, what, what are we talking like four episodes ago? We did the, uh, you know, the Star Trek bracket with Jimmy Dice. And we were talking about Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd and the Klingon 
you know, stuff and, and, you know, all that. And now look at what happens. He, he just, you know, lands in Mando. Now, now he will be part, he will be immortalized in the Star Wars universe. The question is, who will he be playing? Because as we know from Book of Boba Fett, Mando's heading to Mandalore, to a mm. cave, to a lost mine, which means, great Scott, there's a man <laughs> who's going to be hanging in that cave for probably a long time and no better than Christopher Lloyd to play such a person. <laughs> you know, you do make an excellent point. I I was ready to come up with something better, but damn it, you, you've, you've won. You've won, sir. You have won. I got nothing. I got nothing better than that. Oh. I want to see, I want to see bat spit crazy Christopher Lloyd who's been in a cave for a couple of decades. Yes. Like some strange like, like ring together. Wearing the, wearing the Mandalorian helmet backwards. <laughs> like a, a weird mixture between Doc Brown and the Reverend Jim from Taxi. just going to say that. There it is. It's a, Slow down. What does a yellow? Oh my gosh! Light. That is mean. hysterical. <laughs> One of the funniest things ever on TV. Oh my One gosh! Because everyone else is ready. Is like is like almost like barely clinging to their character, and Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd doesn't break at all. He's so deep in that character. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my no, gosh, that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be great. That's such great news. It oh is. man, I'm I'm psyched for that. It is. So we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to whether you remember him as Reverend Jim, Doc Brown, or a little bit of both. Uh, it'll be great to have him. And 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 one of the memes that that I saw that was kind of funny uh, after that announcement was was made was one of those two framers where it shows, you know, one frame shows the Mandalorian dragging, you know, the. Uh, the dark saber, like, oh, this is heavy. And then it's a shot from Back to the Future where Doc Brown's saying, like, there's that word again. Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, anyways, it will be interesting. Looking forward to it. And uh and and you know, once again, just just great to have another uh fine actor uh brought into the Star Wars universe and uh and and made a part of it. So we look yes, forward indeed. to uh, Doc Brown in Mando season three. Crossover um, all the things. Crossover all the things. Indeed. Like we're getting all the all the hits. We're getting Patrick Stewart in in Doctor Strange two. Oh, just all the things. Give me mm-hmm. all the things. That's what I want. Just just cross them all up. Just mm-hmm. just mishmash them together. I mean, I, I mean, we're heading towards either a nuclear war, or a giant meteor hitting the world anyway. So I mean, just give it all to me <laughs> oh, now. Gosh, give it all to me now. Hopefully not, but nonetheless. Uh, and you know, it's it's uh, it's been about you know month month and a half since we discussed this. And mm-hmm. uh, as I said, to Uncle Todd, when these updates come out, it seems like there is a template article that is published <laughs> with maybe the middle <laughs> paragraph. It's like it's like Updated. those obituaries for anyone any actor who's like over sixty, like they already have it pre-written. But shockingly, fill in the date. Shockingly, it sounds like this highly touted, much publicized, but rarely you know uh, articulated uh, BSG reboot apparently shockingly is in trouble. Uh, Great Scott, Marty, <laughs> because apparently uh, Sam Esmail. And and the, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, when when we have our our show outline, Uncle Todd and I like to drop in these these links to uh, to basically kind of link to these stories and stuff like that. And um, 
You you do that so that I can I can just totally not read it, and I do appreciate that. I enjoy not reading them every single time. Yes, but this one I didn't even have to because I think by now we have the article fairly memorized, and it's oh, yeah, really yeah. just about what is the you know four lines in it that are different. So, um, so what's the excuse this time? Well, basically, um, it sounds like uh, showrunner Sam Esmail uh, is uh, basically going to be running a show uh, called Metropolis. I am now forgetting the network it will be on. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And really? Apparently, he's going to be writing uh, and producing um, every episode. So his attention will be diverted there, which calls into question how much is he really going to get done on this reboot? when he's focused on a series that is now in development. So basically a show that we never heard about was never mm-hmm. reported on, mm-hmm. uh, has, has more momentum behind it than this BSG reboot, which once again tells you, ladies and gentlemen, that this reboot is not going to happen. I am shocked. Shocked. I say, where's my shock base? Oh wait, I'm already wearing it. I mean, it's it. Yeah, this thing is reeked of almost like a uh, like a money laundering scheme sort of whiff about it. Like like Peacock is trying to like stash some money. So they gave it to Sam Esmail. Yeah. And now he's going to come out somewhere else clean as a whistle. Oh, it's, and it's here's the funny part. Crazy. You and I are not actively looking for these updates. We we are not scouring. No. I mean, yes, Uncle Todd is right. I am scouring the interwebs. but I am not looking to see, oh, what's the latest news? It just pops in there every now and then just pops in there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah. what's the news now? Will they have some detail? Will we have an idea of what the, the framework of the story will be? What is the era it's operating in? How is it going to tie to the old series? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was incredible skimming that article and realizing I've read 80% of this three times. So it's it, we're, we're in 2022 right now. Mm-hmm. We are two years away from the 20th. No, is it 2004 it came out? Uh, yeah, 2004. We're two years away from the 20th anniversary of the BSG reimagining. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> First of all, this new one ain't beating the 20th anniversary. So, I mean, mm-hmm. let's just take that off the plate anyways. That wasn't even going to be where I was going to go with it. Yeah. I would say I would go so far as to put money on the fact that if you ask the average BSG fan... Mm-hmm. What they would rather see, this Sam Esmail mythical unicorn of a show that's never going to happen, that we don't even know anything about, that quite honestly, it's it's like, oh, well, he's not going to get much work done. He hasn't gotten any work done on it anyways. He's sitting on Tahiti laughing his ass off at, at, at Peacock for giving him all this money and power, and he's just running off to the bank with it. I, I bet if you ask people if they'd rather have that show or just like a season long, like 20 episodes where you just like an hour each week is just an interview with a cast member from the old Battlestar Galactica, like going all the way, working through the entire cast down to like Sasinus, like an hour with Sasinus. <laughs> maybe. OK, maybe you have to have it like it's Sasinus and Jammer. OK, fine. But I mean, you you like you have that show. I'm sh- I would I would bet good money. BSG fans be like, yeah, just give me that other one. Just give me the interview show. Mm-hmm. I I don't care to find out what this thing is. Yeah. But so so again, I'm just I'm I'm a happy man. I don't have to. You mean I not I don't have to actively ignore it. I can just plain old ignore it. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Works out well for me. 
Ah, we should just have a sponsor for one of these like monthly BSG updates because it just uh, becomes its own little segment of sorts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sponsored by Colonel Ty. It's in a fracking ship. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. And finally, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this week in geek, we've we've spanned, you know, we've had Uncle Todd go off on the NFL. We are the Browns specifically. We, we've talked about Christopher Lloyd. We just discussed. Oh, the- no, that was about the NFL, too. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not All just right. quitting the Browns because I could care less about the Browns anyways. It's the right. whole NFL. Like, uh, they're, they're dead to me. Right. They're dead. Dead, we, I tell you. We've spanned a, a, a number of, of different domains, if you will. And finally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coming back home to, to the world of professional wrestling where, where we tend to you know kind of orbit around quite a bit on the show uh last week we we uh as we were recording uh our our uh region three episode uh the news came across the wire uh, that scott hall aka razor ramon uh passed away at the age of 63 and uh we were kind of running uh, a little long in the week in geek as we're uh, off to do (laughs) so you mean like we are right now? Uh, Amazing. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> the but, hell you uh, say. But I thought uh, for a moment uh, we, we could spend a couple minutes just chatting about uh, one of the matches that he is remembered for, he he and, and Shawn Michaels, uh, for for really bringing into the mainstream uh, what, what became known as the ladder match. And, and, and there have been many ladder matches since, and there have been various ways and different, uh, you know, uh, kind of creative places that the wrestlers have taken that concept to. But uh, this one was special because, I mean, obviously the first one, but it was done in such a way that uh, it it was violence, but not violence like you had seen in a wrestling match before. Um, Mm. It was, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, when, when, when you would, uh, you know, see a Texas death match or a strap match or, you know, a dog collar match or something, you know, it, it was still a brawl. It was still, you know, very, very physical and really about the two wrestlers, you know, kind of going after one another, you know, physically. This one here uh, was how many different ways could Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels use a ladder as some sort of implement of destruction on the other? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible to watch. I, I rewatched it over the weekend on Peacock and uh, man, it was, I mean, first of all, the pacing of the match really kind of stood out compared to today. I mean, it was not that it was a slow pace, but it was just a more methodical, um, you know, the match started out as very much a, you know, kind of standard wrestling match with some rest holds, some, you know, throwing off the ropes, doing some shoulder blocks and some, you know, clotheslines and that sort of thing. And then uh, we we get to the outside of the ring where where uh, Hall pulls back the uh, you know he's already going a little bit of a hardcore match direction. He pulls back the the padding on the outside and reveals a concrete floor, but nothing mm. happens. They go back in the ring. They have some back and forth, and then and then Michaels just dumps Hall outside of the ring right onto the concrete, and he hits with this sickening thud. I mean, Oof. it's just so sickening to listen to. And you're just like, how on earth did this man not break an arm or a leg landing? Because it just was like motion and then no motion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Good Lord. Kevin Nash, uh, as Shawn Michaels' bodyguard, was fantastic. He gets a couple shots in on on Razor Ramon, who was working as the baby face. Michaels was the heel. And uh, and, and actually, quite honestly, uh, kudos to Kevin Nash for the acting job. When the referee kind of realized, like, there's this moment where the referee realizes Nash is just, you know, beaten on Hall outside of the ring. Yeah. And he's kind of looking back and forth, and he just makes this great, like, baseball umpire-like signal, like, you're out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I was going to ask, didn't didn't Nash get ejected? Yes, and Nash's yeah. reaction was great. He's standing, he's like, what did you say? What did you say? You know, and he's just like, he's really like animated about it. And it is like, that's what I miss about, you know, wrestling now. Like, you just don't see stuff like that. Like, the over acting and just the the commitment to the comedy of the moment you know sort of thing yeah um oh my gosh it was so good and so uh you know so as the match progresses so there, there's like there's two phases of his matches the physical part where you actually have a wrestling match and then we get to the the how do we use a ladder to just wreak holy havoc on our opponent face <laughs> Yeah. And it was it was brutal to watch. I mean, there, you know, I was I was telling Uncle Todd in the pre pre-production meeting, I, I really questioned how they were able to kind of protect themselves at times, because that's a full on ladder going into your gut, going on your back. At one point, mm-hmm. Michaels just throws the thing onto Scott Hall's back and you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like it yeah. was it was not something that you could easily, you know, kind of control and that sort of thing. But I, I've been rambling on. Sir, your, your thoughts. I mean, it, the thing is, so we were dealing with 1994. Yes. So, yes. you know, a, a very different time than now. And, you know, also the thing that I think that it kind of get, gets lost sometimes, at least for me, is it remembering just how large of an individual Scott Hall was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he was not a little guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it qualifies as almost like one of those big little matches. Like, you have the little guy who's, who's kind of flying around and... And you got the bigger guy who's and, and Hall for his size could move. And I think that's the reason why it's so it's so tough to to remember that sometimes is because he was very agile. Oh, yeah. Very light on his feet. He could do a lot of stuff in the ring. So he wasn't one of those big plodding guys that you thought, oh, yeah, he's huge. He can barely move. and yep. He's slow and all this. He could do so much. But it really is that big little match. And then when you throw in the idea of the ladder. Mm. Now the possibilities are endless, along with the fact that you have two guys who know each other really well and who are friends yes, and and yeah. who, you know, so have this level of trust because yes. we've talked about that before with uh, I think you were talking about um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, how they've oh, yeah. they've yeah. they've known each other for so long and, and kind of came up in the business together and are friends and all that. So there's a you're going to see a little bit more because they're like, I totally I trust you literally with my life yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, with some of these moves and. So you have all of that going and like we like you were alluding to, we, we get, you know, Edge and Christian against the Hardy Boys with the ladder match and then you, it evolves into TLC match. And now now ladder matches are this whole thing, but it really goes back to this. And I'm sure yeah. there were ladder matches before this. And if we had, you know, Jim Cornette on the show, he could tell you, well, by God, I'll tell you, the first ladder match was in 1953 against, you know, <laughs> and he could t- he could cite you chapter and verse. But that's yeah. like this is the first modern ladder match because now on you look at you yeah you look at that stuff yep and and that is has been borrowed from infinitely mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. forward yeah and i mean one of the one of the biggest compliments you can have is it that oh yeah we stole that from that match it's all comes back to here like mm-hmm. you you did something that that literally had a had a, an effect that is rippling outwards even now yeah um and that's and and that's not something that everybody gets a chance to do and that is one of the things about Scott Hall that is is kind of an interesting thing is you look at him and what he did as a performer, mm. him and Nash, like you, you don't always get a chance to change the business that you're in, the industry, your, yes. cho- your chosen profession. Right. You don't get as a as a person involved in that. You don't get a chance to change that industry very often. No, 
And no. and he really did through, you know, something like this, but also through just what happened with him and, and Nash going to WCW oh, and yeah. yep. NWO and all that, like literally changed how business was done. And mm-hmm. and the effects of that then ripple rippled outwards and had a had effects beyond what I'm sure even they could imagine. Yeah. So I mean, to have been part of that is huge. Yeah. And 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 by all accounts, like Scott was a very like smart dude when it came to the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I forget who it was he was he was wrestling and they wanted they wanted him to go over, but he decided he was going to put the other guy over. I can't mm-hmm. remember who it was right now. And I remember reading about it. I watched it on a video and he like he called it in the in the ring to have the other guy go over to win. Yeah. And it was it was someone who ended up going on to bigger and better things. And he was totally right. Like it was it was the right move for that guy to to win. And it was I the right it thing. Was DDP business. Because I think they did this whole tease where DDP was going to join the NWO and, and he put the shirt on and then Nash turned his back and Hall was celebrating and he turned around and DDP just laid a diamond cutter on him and the place went ballistic. Could because, be like like he he just took it like a champ, and then Nash turns around and you know he 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 does the angry big man thing, and then DDP runs into the crowd and is just like this like that cemented him being like the people's kind of champ sort of thing, you know, for WCW. Yeah. So and I'm sure it wasn't a one time thing either. I'm no. sure that he that he had those insights and and kind of yeah. knew that stuff in many situations. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, those are the, those are the people who do have an effect on a business like this because they actually they have they enjoy it and appreciate it to some degree. Yeah. You know, but but going back to the match, when you're talking about his agility, that was another thing that stood out to me is and, and you know, to some extent, Michael's, too. But, man, the way Hall hit those ropes, I mean, he was he was, he had some velocity when he was going across the ring. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this wasn't like, you, you know, you see I don't mean to say you see today, but you see in some matches where, you know, the guys are running, but the speed doesn't stand out to you, you know, as you're watching mm-hmm. it. But this one here, when like Michael's you know, did, you know, kind of whipped him off the ropes a couple times. I mean, Hall like lays into those ropes and he comes flying off. And there was one point where he flew off and just, you know, popped him in, in the head with a fist, you know, or mm. what, what looked like a punch. And I mean, I think, I think Michaels took the brunt of it. <laughs> you know I mean? I don't know how you're moving that fast and can pull, well, yeah. pull back on it. You know, well, um, and the thing is too, Michaels was a, was a, absolute beast as far as bumping as far as taking hits and 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 showing that like i was watching a an old pay-per-view i think it was from wrestlemania 5 and and he took a went back with the rockers Mm -hmm. uh you know Mm -hmm. and he took like a clothesline from remember this will be a nice little flashback hakeem the african dream remember that lord oh gosh Talk about gimmicks that just don't age well. I was just going to say, that probably didn't age so well, huh? (laughs) No. No, 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 no. You don't have a gimmick like that today for a good reason. Uh. uh, (laughs) But he laid him out with that, and and Michaels just took it, like, yeah. Like almost did a 360 on it, like just way oh, yeah. took it, yeah. took it like a champ. It was it was amazing. But yeah. yeah, to have that combination of someone who can move like that and then another guy who's going to bump oh. for you like that. I mean, come on. But yeah, yeah, just just, you know, slingshotting Michaels, you know, into the into the ladder. Michaels, you know, basically doing a sliding drop kick from the ring. Uh, basically the ladder is, is sitting on the corner of the ring and just doing a sliding drop kick, you know, kicking the, the, the ladder right into, into Scott Hall. Um, just all the, the, you know, kind of him like 
him Shawn michaels being at the top of the ladder on the turnbuckle and just kind of slowly falling forward and just like the ladder just sandwiching into in a hall i mean it was just mm-hmm. it was a brutal match for its time um it did have <laughs> this was funny live and apparently peacock didn't uh edit this uh there was one point where michaels was going to grab for the belt and and scott was reaching up to grab him and uh, apparently got a little bit too much of the tights and uh <laughs> let's just say there there was a moon shining in in msg at least momentarily and vince didn't seem to flinch a whole lot so well i mean you know <laughs> these things happen well they do but i just love how michaels just goes with it and does an elbow drop from the top of the ladder in that state onto hall <laughs> the drawers down hot, top rope elbow it's very rarely it's- used <laughs> for good reason you have to wonder if they just put each other up to it just to see if they could do it you know what i mean <laughs> Just live on pay-per-view. Let's just do it. Anyways. I wouldn't put it past them, honestly. Oh, gosh. But now, just such a classic match. And, and of course, ending with, with Razor Ramon uh, grabbing both belts. Uh, as I mean, Shawn Michaels was just, it was almost comical. He was tied up in the ropes, tied up by his leg, gets himself undone, then then ends up tied up by his arm. Uh, it was just, oh, it was just so well done. So just, just a classic match, but really, you know, really the one that put, hall on the map i mean he was already very popular but this you know his involvement in this just kind of cemented him as as one of of the best of that era and uh, and really you know kind of led to a lot of the notoriety that he carried forward with him as you mentioned into wcw with nash so mm-hmm. so uh yeah just just a little remembrance of, of a classic classic match that was just groundbreaking and really paved the way for a lot of the sort of uh extreme you know sort of wrestling matches and of of the 90s and into the 2000s so yes indeed once again remembering scott hall so yes sir and that's my friends is the weekend geek well now that we're into hour three of our show we will get to the main topic <laughs> excellent I, i'm not even going to look at the clock i, I don't even want to know how long that was but we are going to talk some more bsg this is our final region so we are we have done regions one through three this is the final region in our bsg march madness episode bracket oh my goodness has this been a, this has been an adventure so just a quick little rundown on the rules how we set this up uh, we basically took out the miniseries and the finale because we felt it would be unfair for either of those to have to compete against regular run-of-the-mill episodes. We also took out Razor and The Plan because, well, they they kind of take place outside of continuity to some degree. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to include those, um, mostly because I didn't want to have to do the math. Uh, let's just be honest on that. Uh, <laughs> I went through and took all the two-parters, all the two-part episodes, combined them into a single episode for the purposes of, again, trying to get us down to a manageable number. And we still came out... We still came out with 65 episodes, so we did have a play-in game. That was in Region 3, and uh, we managed to, to work that out. And so now we just have one bracket left. One bracket. One, mm-hmm. one grouping of 16 episodes that we are going to whittle down. And how have we gotten here so far, sir? What, what, is, what are our, our three episodes each coming out of the other regions here? All right. So Uncle Todd uh, is, was, was running strong after Regions 1 and 2 with Season 1 Starbucks-centric episodes. You mm-hmm. can't go home again. Back to back. You can't go home again. Active contrition uh, coming out of Regions 1 and 2. And then... He switched it up. He he did some on-the-fly booking, if you will, with his champion mm-hmm. and decided rather than settling into a season one 
uh, final four sort of scenario. Uh, he, he, he decided to dip his toe into the season three waters, uh, but he didn't stray from, from his champion, uh, booking nope. Starbuck once again to go over, uh, yep. with, with Maelstrom, uh, out of region three. The man they called him is a different story. A measured man who is really oh, trying to God's evaluate. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was wondering how long you're going to let me go. <laughs> You're going to make me sit through this crap. Like, I, I at least got out of Red 5 trivia this week. Could, now you're going to make me sit through this. You're done. Here. Right I am. <laughs> we didn't have the Red 5. I got to toot my horn somehow. Allow right. me allow me to use a compressed air air compressor to blow some sunshine up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about you. How about me? <laughs> Good so coming God. out of Region 1 uh, from Season 2, Lay Down Your Burdens, the season finale right there, uh, coming out of Region 1. Uh, Blood on the Scales out of se- from Season 4 comes out of Region 2. And last episode out of Region 3, Crossroads, Part 1 and 2 from Season 3. So a- an episode uh, has landed from each season, balanced, measured, and really, you know, trying to evaluate what is the best of the best. That's where we stand right now, my friend. And the interesting thing is, so now we've got one, two, three shows from season one here for you to pick from. Now, is one of those going to, so you're going to have one from each season? I might be doing you're my gonna own have on to. the fly booking tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say that. And just to satisfy your own uh, own wants for balance. Indeed. All right. So let's get right to it. First matchup is going to be. Final cut from season two against taking a break from all your worries from season three. Final cut is summarized thusly as an ambitious journalist in the fleet is given unlimited access to Galactica and her crew. Taking a break from all your worries is summarized as Baltar is interrogated aboard Galactica, which is, feels like a bit of an understatement, uh, <laughs> while a makeshift bar called Joe's in the hangar deck becomes popular and the relationship problems of Apollo, Duwala, Apollo, Duwala, Starbuck, and Anders unfold. <laughs> Apollo, Duwala, Stabaka. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I just and Dala. <laughs> I don't. I did. Oh, what yeah, happened? Oh, I know it's, it's getting weird. So, uh, who do you got for your round one? Uh, round one, matchup one, winner. Oh my gosh! I just shouldn't talk. You know what? You just take us home. I'm just gonna sit back and listen. You okay? Good over there? lord. <laughs> I don't. Again, I'm wondering what is in this seltzer. Oh my gosh! I I, I think it. I think it had to do with your 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 venting session. I think uh, you displaced a couple brain cells in the process. Well, I've only got like three of them. Uh, I know. I know. One's keeping me breathing, and the other two are always fighting. So I'm in. I don't have much to spare. Yeah. All right. So who do you got out of, coming out of this? Uh. So in this matchup, um, I I. This one didn't really hit me too hard. I I'd recently watched Final Cut, so there there may be a little bias going on here. But mm-hmm. um, I, I really enjoyed that episode and, and thought it was even at the first time that I saw it, I thought it was an interesting twist to introduce Deanna as you know the the Model Three Cylon. Um, basically, uh, part of this whole thing at the very end was just kind of a nice twist um, that we start to slowly kind of see the reveals of who some of the other models are uh, and that sort of thing. So I I, I picked this one over. Taking a break from all your worries. Uh, 
this one was fine. I mean, it was, uh, you know, really a tale of, of those who were kind of drowning their sorrows. And, um, but you know, the, probably the most interesting part of it was the, uh, you know, the torture of Baltar or, or the, or the interrogation of Baltar is really the way we, we yeah. should put it. Um, where, where he gets dangerously close to revealing everything that he's done, but, um, but doing so in a way where they, uh, you know, Adama and Roslyn are just trying to get a confession out of him about what exactly happened. Um, they're, they're, they're just trying every which way to do it. And then the, the whole back and forth with Gaeta was really good. Um, you know, especially when Gaeta just kind of loses it on him and <laughs> stabs him in the neck with a pen. So yeah, like, it, it was, it was just very, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, the episode has a lot going on. Um, it, it is, it is, definitely a you know a, a deep dive into these relationships um you know d and apollo are falling apart starbuck and anders are just in you know the same state um you you, you just have a lot of stuff breaking down and then of course you this is prior to baltar's trial so you know you have Rosalind and dama trying to get to the bottom of what his situation was and you know, especially being with the Cylons and for a period of time. And so, uh, so it, it was interesting, but I, I just, I felt like final cut just, you know, it was, it was interesting in, in the way that it, um, you know, her character was, was trying to tell a story and, and was very antagonistic at first, but in the end, you know, kind of tells a very balanced story of, of what the, you know, what the crew is trying to do for the fleet um, mm-hmm. and, and really putting that forward and, and just, just the, the emotion of it was, was strong. And so I, I just, uh, you know, for me, it resonated more and, and just uh, I connected with it more. So I, I am going to go with final cut um, but taking a break from all your worries is a serviceable episode unto itself. How about yeah, you, sir? I'm I'm going to agree. I went with Final Cut as well. Uh, taking a break is 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 interesting for me, not so much for the 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 relationships that are falling apart, because I mean that's that's been going on and will continue to go on. And it to me it was like they were trying to establish their own ten forward sort of thing on yeah. Galactica, and I get it. Like you kind of want to, you know, you're in season three, like you need to have some other areas of the ship. And also you, you figure at some point, like something like this, you've been in space long enough, things are changing. And I, I do appreciate the fact that they, they did incorporate that aspect and we're, we're always seeming to think about, okay, well, what else would happen? Like, I mean, it's not just like status quo, like this isn't Star Trek. It's not a static, a static society, which we saw in like, you know, next generation, like, from beginning to end, like the society as a whole does not seem to really shift, you know, like the right, Federation right. life on a Federation ship seems like it's just very much like it's a, it's a very flat line. Like there's not a whole lot going on. Like people are just behaving a certain way. Cause that's the way you behave in Starfleet and that's it. And here, I mean, I guess that makes sense too, because the, the Federation is overall fairly stable. I mean, yeah, the board come around and, and muck things up every so often and you have this and that and the other. Okay, fine. But, it's not like there was an alien race that just committed an apocalypse and now you're on the run with like, you know, 30,000 of your now closest friends trying to survive. So I like the fact that they did try to come up with those things like, yeah, eventually people, you know, like in um, dirty hands, like people are going to get sick of doing the same job. They're going to want something different and, and, and being forced into this job for the rest of your life into this very cast sort of system. And, and people are going to want to have recreation. So yeah, you've already blown up. Like, <laughs> you blew up one of the ships that was recreation. Yeah. I think that was, that already happened at that point. Mm-hmm. And so having a bar, okay. Kind of makes sense, you know, and yeah. I appreciate that. 
Um, you know, it was kind of weird because you have the whole like Apollo and Starbuck, like Starbuck kind of basically asking Lee, like, hey, if if I dumped him and would you dump her and we can be together? And and Lee kind of rightfully in a way kind of balks at it because he's like, hmm, I feel like I've been down this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I've tried to kick this football before. Hmm. Um, but I mean, really, the, the, the most interesting part of this is Baltar's. Uh, you know, interrogation and mm-hmm. what and trying to get information on him because Rosalind threatens to throw him on air. I think she actually even puts him in an airlock. Yeah, she she threatens to do it, but he, you know, he yeah. kind of calls her bluff. And so, and then, and then yeah. you had that scene with her, Ty, and Adama of like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I, yeah. I just threat, I put him in the airlock and he didn't talk. Yeah. And so then we get into that hallucinogenic secret drug, which is a little weak because again, it's sort of almost like when you get to hero territory where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. so none of this would have come up before. Okay, whatever. I mean, it works, but it is interesting. All that is interesting. But final cut to me, I mean, the fact that you have, uh, you know, first appearance of Lucy Lawless as Deanna, who is, mm-hmm. I mean, just mm-hmm. utterly fantastic in the show. I think I'm 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 a huge Lucy Lawless fan, and I've never seen Xena Princess Warrior ever. I'm just a fan of her from Battlestar Galactica and Parks and Recreation, which I, I feel like in some strange way, she would probably appreciate that. Like, yeah, okay, two bit <laughs> rolls, and that's why you like me. All right, fine. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, I'm weird. She's also in Spartacus. I've never seen that, so I wouldn't know. The the Stars, uh, you know, channel uh, version of of Spartacus, uh, she was uh, in it for two seasons, I believe. Dude, you know me. I don't got cable, and I don't. I'm not getting another app. So I've, right. the chances of me seeing Spartacus are about the same as oh, I don't know, the NFL not being douchebags. So I'm just saying, yeah. Anywho, but I mean, you get her first appearance. I like the fact that it's kind of a documentary inside mm-hmm. a documentary because that was very much like the the filming style of Battlestar Galactica for the bulk of its run. But then the the reveal at the end that Deanna is a Cylon. Mm is is very interesting because if i'm remembering right it had been a while since we had gotten a new cylon model at this point yes i think simon was the last one we saw in uh in season two in season two yeah yeah because uh i'm trying to think because we'd seen doral we'd seen cavill yeah what's the one where star oh, no, i mean was imprisoned actually cavill would have been because oh you're right yeah 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 cavill cavill's coming uh at least as far as where i'm at in season two so yeah you're right it, cavill would have would have shown up yeah but it, it had been a while so yeah. i mean we yeah. we knew this 12 models and then you kind i don't even think we the final five was a thing at that point so you really were just mm-hmm. kind of like okay when are we ever are we ever, you kind of almost forgot about it a little bit yeah. And so to see her be one of the Cylons, it was it was kind of interesting, like, ooh. And then, of course, the part that she's going to play going forward makes it that much more interesting. But but yeah, Final Cut, I think, is a much stronger episode um, than taking a break. Yes, I would agree. All right. So next matchup, we have someone to watch over me from season four versus tie me up, tie me down from season one. Uh, and yes, I am smiling a little bit about that because, damn it, I love me a good play on words and, you know, having <laughs> tie as in tie, like Colonel tie as opposed to tie, like tie a knot. I'm, I'm just I, I geek out for that every time. Anyways. Someone to watch over me is summarized thusly. Starbuck encounters a mysterious piano player in Joe's bar and helps him work on his latest song. Realizing the musical notes match a series of dots drawn by Hera, Starbuck finishes the song with Colonel Ty and Tori Foster recognize the music as they heard when they learned they were Cylons. Tyrrell unwittingly helps Boomer, who poses as as Athena, to kidnap Hera and take her to Cavill. 
Mm-hmm. Time me up, time me down. Goes a little something like this. As Rosalind investigates the possibility of Adama being a Cylon, Ty receives a visitor from the past. What do you got here, sir? That 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 was it for the second one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Well, you got to see. The thing is, when I when I get the when I, I like to make fun of the fact that these are always underplaying it, but these are these are like the I think what would have been given out ahead of time to okay. summarize it. So there's there's like zero spoilers All right. or anything to really give away plot points in these in these little summaries because otherwise you go to like each individual episode and it's like eight paragraphs and mm. I'm not I'm not writing these myself like yeah. if I can't copy and paste it I'm sorry folks you're not getting you're not getting a summary yeah yeah uh this one was easy for me um you know time me up time me down is is a fun episode um and I say fun because with the introduction of Ellen and the the uh just just that dinner that happens with Rosalind oh Dama my gosh yes and, and Lee uh, Apollo right um uh, was just hysterical um you, you know Baltar you know is 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 hysterical as well because he's just he's getting jerked around by Rosalind with these with a Cylon and test. Adama like, yes yes because he's going back and forth he has to stop and start the test and it comes yeah. at one point where they're when they're in his lab when he's like well I had to stop the test because you asked me to do this and they both and and I think Kai <laughs> and Adama look at Rosalind and like, listen we're not talking about that right now <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like oh my oh. gosh that is such like a couple's move like okay i'm totally back in this group we're yes. not going to talk about this right now this isn't this isn't what's important like yes. oh somebody got caught uh, that that was just too funny and then and then just in general just just yeah baltar is is just completely in, in wackadoo mode and on in, in in that episode with with his oh, yeah. interactions with them and everything it's just too funny um so you know fun episode um but not nearly as impactful and not nearly as just, you know, um, I don't mean to say strong cause it's not a, it's not a question of strength, but it's just, I, I feel it comes down to impact and, and heaviness in terms of, of the story. I mean, this is where, uh, you know, Starbuck basically gets to a point of playing the song that really, you know, kind of introduce the final four to the audience um and and there's a moment there where where the four of them hear her playing it and they kind of ask her about it um but uh but the rough part was was really the stuff with with uh, boomer because we have mm. boomer uh you know show up and you know kidnap hera but not before uh she she has her moment of of just uh of just absolute uh just naughtiness in terms of <laughs> Well, she she beats up Athena. Yes. Yeah. Gags her, throws her in the closet, and then has her way with Hilo, who thinks that he's legit with his right. wife, uh, you know, his copy of that Cylon. Yep. And Athena's watching the whole thing through the little vents in the in the oh, yeah. closet. Oh yeah. And then she runs off and steals the kid. Like, yep. oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about like trust issues first of all first and foremost like that episode right there made me feel great about every relational mistake i've ever i've ever made i was like (laughs) at least i haven't been in this position before because i mean (laughs) how do you navigate this i don't know like sci-fi or no like ooh. Yeah. You, you, trust issues are going to be on the forefront of of her mind forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that was, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in that episode besides the Starbucks thing. But I mean, it really is star, Starbucks centric, but that, that part at the end is, oh my yeah. gosh, that is heavy. 
It is. It is. So I, I, I went with someone to watch over me. I, I just felt, you know, there, there's just a lot of heaviness, a lot of emotion, a lot of impact to it. And, and Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down is not a filler episode, but it just, it when you weigh the two of them, it just doesn't really hold up. So, so someone to watch over me is my selection out of uh, matchup number two, round one. You, sir. I know this is going to be a shocker, but I'm going with the the Starbuck-centric uh, episode. I'm also going with someone to watch over me. Uh, Shocking. I mean, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, it really is like... It really is almost as close to comedy as, mm-hmm. as Battlestar Galactica BSG has ever done in an ep- for an entire episode. Yes. Because you have the whole back and forth of the dummy. You have Baltar going just mad. Like going, flipping back and forth, and just his weariness with the whole thing, and then the dinner scene where you've got Ellen showing up and is just like a total agent of chaos, playing footsie with with uh, with Lee, mm-hmm. and then you have that moment at the end where they're all cleaning up, and it's Rosalind, Adama, and Lee, and and Ellen and Ty have gone back to do Ellen and Ty things, and they're they're sitting there talking, and they have that one moment where it's like, or it could be worse, and they all stop. For just a beat, and then you almost hear them all like shudder, like, oh. yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. they keep on going. Yeah, it's like it's perfect. I was like, it really. I mean, all you're missing is a laugh track. Yeah, you know. And I think and it ends too with Baltar. You know, he has a vision of you know he sees six and she's mm. doing six things, and so like you have that image of them standing, you know, kind of in his lab with him, and he's just like kind of spinning around in his chair, like you know, holding her, but you know, it's like holding air, you know. So well, yeah, but but he's but he's figured out the secret because then he's like, everyone comes back negative now. Yeah, he's yeah. just rigged the test completely. Like right. everybody's not a Cylon. Yeah, perfect. I don't have to do any more of this nonsense. I can just like hang out with my girlfriend who's totally in my head yes yes and yeah it is just bizarre but yeah someone to watch over me is is such a fantastic episode and, mm-hmm. and also again inform it's it's just like another step towards the end because this is where you get you know starbuck kind of figuring out this thing and and then taking it that next step to the final the final jump that is going to take them to earth you know so yep. it's yeah it all kind of ties together, and and I always just enjoyed Katie Sackhoff's performance in this, uh, in her interplay with the the pianist, um, and just overall, I just thought it was a great episode for her. But it's a really good episode overall, and of course, then you also have the idea, the the thing with Tyrrell, because Boomer plays Tyrrell, ah, and yes. Tyrrell's at the end, like realizing what has just happened, and that he basically yeah got betrayed again by mm-hmm. Boomer. And uh, and of course, this is also when, you know, Boomer, as she's leaving, she does an FTL jump close to Galactica and ends up like wounding the ship more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which also starts taking us down the line to kind of uh, the old girl's uh, exit from the this mortal Earth. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are matching up so far, which makes me very uncomfortable. You know how that goes. <laughs> <sighs> so here we are will we go eight for eight we will see matchup number three we have scattered from season two versus precipice from season three scattered is summarized as with adama in sickbay ty is forced to take command of galactica but is quickly plunged into a crisis when the fleet and galactica jump to separate locations precipice is summarized as the morality of suicide bombings is debated among the resistance leaders as the cylons enact harsh measures on the civilian population in an effort to quell the growing insurgency which one have you got here sir 
Well, if the first two matchups were a little bit more of a clear-cut kind of decision, this one was a little bit harder. Uh, yes. Because this episode scattered is is really, really well done. You know, seeing mm. Ty in that command role, dealing with the pressure, knowing that, you know, he's he has his issues with the drink and 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 you know what what he chooses to do uh, was a really well done episode and um, and this also features the the whole idea of networking up the computers to mm, kind mm-hmm. of uh, expedite and accelerate the calculation for the uh, correction jump they need to make to re- reunite with the fleet and so you have the Gata five stage software firewall of doom that he unleashes on the uh, on on the on the ship to protect it against the Cylon virus. Um, it was kind of funny that whole sequence because the virus moves remarkably fast. <laughs> so yeah, yep. Um, but you know, really good. Really it's, good. It really is one of those funny. Th- and you must get chuckles out of this stuff because you. I, I don't. I don't know how many people really truly grasp this, but the man they call Tim, very good with computers. Oh, it makes you. his living doing these these types of things that I can't even quite comprehend. Uh, yes, the, the, he doesn't even try to explain it to me honestly because I would just drool and yeah, I'd probably like just. I just fall over, yeah. uh, but but it must be amusing to someone as tech savvy as yourself, sir. Watching these movies when like hacking is essentially just a bunch of keyboard clicking, yes, and like all this stuff is happening in real time. And you're like, that's totally not. Gata just happening. whips up a software firewall out of nowhere. So yes, yeah, but uh, but this is the precursor. I I've, uh, let me see if I uh, to Valley of Darkness, which is the horror episode we have talked about already. Um, yeah, it, it features that ending where a heavy raider crashes into Galactica and you have uh, some Cylons, uh, some robot Cylons start to uh, exit in a very horrific sort of way and unleash uh, holy hell upon the ship. Um, yeah, it was like the, it's like a horror slash diehard episode. It's yes. very, very yes. claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a solid episode. And then you get to Precipice, which is really, um, this is in the aftermath of um, what happens in Occupation, where there is a suicide bombing. And so now the Cylons are cracking down on the on the resistance. Um, and there's just a lot of moving parts in this episode. You have Starbuck and Leoben and what Leoben's trying to put her through, trying to you know, almost manufacture a loving relationship through a child that he claims is, you know, Starbucks. And we later find out is not, um, but really messes with Starbucks head. Um, you have the Cylons rounding up a bunch of civilians, uh, like, you know, Tom Zarek and, and Rosalind and, and, you know, Tyrrell and Callie and, uh, and is going to execute them. Um, you have Doral mm. who is at his most psychotic with, uh, with, uh, Baltar, uh, making him sign the execution order, uh, which I and- mean, on one hand is, is crazy, but at the same time, it's like, finally they gave his character something to do besides like walk around in the same suit jacket. Like it was at least a little depth to that character for yeah. one shining moment. And then mm. he was back to like shoveling, you know. Uh, he was like burying the bodies on New Caprica. Oh no, that was back on uh, Occupied Caprica. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is so. This is if he find they finally gave him a real job. You know. <laughs> I was trying to remember the. Um, I, I'm looking it up now from our show notes from last episode, but the uh, I think it was called. Oh, where is it? And of course, it's taking seven minutes to load the the document. So. Um, what was the? Uh, uh, I told you, you need to upgrade. Upgrade from Netscape. Nets, Netscape. Oh, Netscape. download. 
downloaded, I think is the one where um, Six and Boomer are kind of looking over uh, Caprica, you know, now that they've occupied it. And, um, and what, one of the things I found funny was Doral is featured like, like there's just this like very odd and disturbing scene where you see all of the different models that we've seen up to this point, kind of like trying to have day-to-day lives like the humans did, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like sitting at a cafe and stuff like that and doing yeah. stuff. And Doral is like everywhere. Doral is just like, <laughs> it's just so weird. It's like, he's just everywhere along with these other models doing all these like sort of interactive things. And oh my gosh, this is crazy. He was a wildly available for green screen work that week. That's Indeed. what it was like. Indeed. Okay. We can get Doral. We can't get anyone else. All right, fine. Yes. So we get to a point though with Ellen where, uh, you know, she gives away uh, some information about the resistance to, to Cavill and it becomes clear to Saul that she is betraying him. And so that, that has some major impact. Um, this is also the episode where, um, where Athena becomes a colonial officer um, and yeah. is now entrusted with uh, helping out the resistance. And so th- there's just a lot going on with this one and, and a lot that mm-hmm. forwards the story. And so when you kind of compare the two of them, I mean, Scattered is a very, very solid episode. It, it also has its moments of pushing, you know, the, the narrative forward. It has, you know, the launch into the, into the hard die hard episode. Um, but when I weighed the two of them, um, I just feel Feel like precipice has a bit more weight to it and 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 really um you know especially with what comes up in the in the next episode that follows it in exodus where you you have saul basically killing ellen you know because of of the way she's betrayed him um yeah. and and just you know that i mean just leads to a lot a lot of heavy events that happen so uh, i went with precipice uh, how about you sir that's a very good call, sir, because it's the same one I went with. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna congratulate you to congratulate myself. There you go. And, and I agree as well. Scattered is a very good episode, and I think it's interesting because in season one, like uh, like actually even in the in the um, in the miniseries, like Ty is a joke. Yeah. Up until yeah. he needs to make a decision, and then you start understanding and you see what he does with the crew, and you understand like oh this is why Adama keeps this guy around Mm -hmm. because he's willing to crack heads and he doesn't necessarily care what anybody thinks about him. So he is like in that way, he is the perfect XO, but he should never be in charge of of being a, you know, captain. Like he is, he is uniquely qualified to be an XO uniquely unqualified to be a captain. And I think this just demonstrates it. Like he is not good at this. And he's always he's he's almost doing the same thing that he did with in the miniseries when he's in charge of the damage control party and he and they're they're talking about the fire of the flight pod and he looks over to Dama mm-hmm. as if he's waiting he almost wants to go ask him what he wants to do and then he has to make the snap decision yeah in the same way like he's he's still looking for Adama except Adama's down in sick bay with bullet holes in him yeah. And this is also the episode where Ishay has to perform the surgery on Adama because Caudal mm. is God only knows where. And so they're stuck off in the middle of nowhere. So it's a very interesting episode. And it's it is it is a really good episode because it moves. Like yeah. I remember watching this episode, I'm like, man, it just clicks right along. There's no fat on this. Like there's always something happening and something is setting up something else. And you know, you've got all these things happening. And this is also where Apollo gets out of the brig and how he ends up you know, being John McClane to, you know, to the Cylons, uh, you know, German all-stars uh, in the <laughs> in the next episode. 
But Precipice is, like you say, it is one of those episodes that it does not let you, and, and this episode and Exodus Part 1 do not let you off easy because we already saw in, and it'll be an episode we're talking about a little later on, the Cylons have already done the suicide bomber thing. And yeah. you you know you expect that from the bad guys. Well, now you have the good guys using this tactic, and it doesn't let you off easy. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't. It you have disagreement over whether or not that is a good and a right thing to do, even under these circumstances. And it's again coming yeah. back to that idea of like, what is humanity? Like, what is humanity worth? What what does that actually mean? And these are issues that they don't give you a nice resolution to them. There's no like sewing the whole thing up into a into a nice little package at the end and going, oh, and now everything is fine. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, you have that. You have, um, you know, uh, what you point out, Baltar being threatened at gunpoint to sign the order. Um, you know, Jammer saving Callie, even though Jammer has kind of betrayed the resistance now. Like a lot of stuff that is it is not easy. You know, it, it's not easy stuff. It is not normal, like gung ho sci-fi stuff. Like this is literally back when, you know, Star Trek, the next generation and Picard gets taken over by the Borg. He gets assimilated by the Borg, except that's every episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's almost every episode of this show where you just don't get let off easy. You always have to think, and they're, they're always going to challenge you. And it's one of the reasons why I love this show. I'll always take up for it. Um, so, yeah, I have to give the nod to Precipice because as good as Scattered was, um, it's, it's, a, it's a more run-of-the-mill episode, whereas Precipice really just puts a lot of questions to you that you, you're, you're going to be thinking. If you're, if you're at all a thinking person, you're going to be thinking about them for a while. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, so here we are. We are now, oh boy, we're three for three. Oh, How's Uncle Todd doing? This. <laughs> not liking this. Feeling a little twitchy. Uh, let's see here. Matchup number four, we have Pegasus from season two going up against Faith from season four. So Pegasus is summarized as, with the arrival of the Battlestar Pegasus, the fleet is exuberant. However, Adama soon worries about Admiral Kane, Pegasus's commanding officer and Adama's superior in command of the fleet. Faith is summarized thusly. Starbuck leads a mission to see the Cylon hybrid who re reveals more clues to finding Earth. On Galactica, President Rosalind discusses religious faith with a dying woman named Emily. Which one you got here, sir? <sighs> this was tough. It I always like it when you do this side. Heart. Yes. Um... I had gone back and forth a few times on this one. Um, you know, part of it was me kind of balancing my, my bias with Pegasus because I, I literally just watched it like Thursday or Friday of last week mm -hmm. um, and, and watched Resurrection Ship one, Part 1 and 2. Um, so I haven't seen Faith in a while, but um, but this is the episode where with Faith where um, just a lot of just, you know, kind of horrific stuff happens. Um, you know, Gata gets shot in the leg, which, you know, that proves to be the beginning of his downward spiral. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and, and the direction his character takes, um, you know, Starbuck is is trying to, you know, do her mission, but has no trust from anyone. Um, you know, Rosalind's going through, you know, you know, her her 
cancer and, and talking to a, a patient, uh, you know, a fellow patient about it. Um, you know, you have the whole back and forth with uh, Andrew's associate, uh, you know, from, from Caprica, I think her name is Jean, um, who, you know, connects with a six who she, you know, who remembers what she did to her on, on new Caprica, I believe. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and just, you know, there, there's just, you know, horrific things there because of the, of the trauma she's dealing with. Uh, so just, oh my gosh, just so much going on there and, and, you know, a lot of heaviness, a lot of, um, uh, you know, I mean, gate is, you know, we talked about blood on the scales as being the tragedy of, of, of Felix Gaeta, but this one was rough because he, he just so doesn't want his, his, his leg amputated. He so doesn't want to change or be changed by what happened, but yet that, that is mm-hmm. the thing that saves his life. And, and so, um, so they, they are, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's a very heavy episode, a lot of stuff going on, which are, are all marks of episodes I've selected before. Yeah. However, and this one also, this one also has the, the famous line, you are the harbinger of death, Kara Thrace. Yes. You will lead them all to their end. Like, so, yes, yes. Well, that's a downer. And it's not, line. you know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, but when you look at Pegasus and mm. see in that one hour how you go from this absolute like elation, joyous celebration sort of feeling in the very beginning of the episode, this, you know, that they somehow have found another battle star and now you have two of them and, and you have more of the, the former colonial fleet, you know, kind of united. And in one hour, see it all just, just go to hell. <laughs> I mean, for oh, yeah. lack of a better term. I mean... You go from celebration in the beginning to civil war at the end. I mean, it, it is it is so masterfully done, and and just to see you know slowly the the, the changes in those characters, you know, or not changes, but the characteristics of Kane's Admiral Kane's crew and what they're doing, and and just how they're just a very different mindset and approach to to this whole debacle than than what Adama's crew has gone through. Um, and of course, you know, showing up with no other civilian fleet ships at all, just them. Um, mm. So which which was a bit for foreboding and foretelling. Um, you know, Baltar, uh, James Callis here, holy moly, does does he put on a, an acting performance uh, with with just the her, you know how horrified he is by what he finds in in the, oh, yeah. in the Pegasus brig with with the with the six model that they have and just the the how tortured she is and you know again I, I recently watched it so a lot of this is very very uh, much on the brain but uh, you know just a stellar acting job there with with the the horror that that he shows and 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 just the the hurt he feels you know like he he was never mm-hmm. one to proclaim his love for her and he he does seven times over i think in this episode so um so so a lot of heaviness there too and and uh, you know pegasus and, and resurrection ship part one and two are just you know just a, a fine set of episodes kind of in the middle of the season where you know they they really kind of changed the equation of what's going on in the show by introducing another battle star and you just see i mean the tension during it between adama and admiral kane where they're just kind of playing this like word chess with each other and trying to be respectful but 
also wanting to kind of cling to the reality that both of them have been living in. And it, oh my gosh, just everything was just so well done. So I got to give the nod, having said all of that and rambled on, uh, to uh, Pegasus because I, I just feel it, it, it just outweighs um, Faith, even though Faith has a lot of heavy stuff going on in it. I, Pegasus, I just feel is all around um, better and, and I give it the nod. Yeah, Faith was a, again, it, it was a really good episode. A lot of stuff going on there. I think it might have suffered a little bit. And okay, let me, <laughs> let me just back up there. It doesn't suffer. I mean, it's a, it's a really good episode from a TV show that I love. In a head-to-head matchup like this, the thing that it suffers from is the fact that it, it does a lot. There is a, go, a lot going on in a lot of different directions. And Pegasus is very much a, a, a much more linear story. And it's all centered around the tension of, hey, we've got friends, uh, but are they really? And so you you have a very, a very much, uh, very more uh, linear, straight line story, and everything kind of branches off that and loops back to it. Whereas, faith is just going in all different directions. They're yeah. all very important yeah. directions, and they're all very good directions. And they're all very well done. But if I'm going to pick a favorite between those two, I I'm. I'm just more of a mind to take Pegasus. Also because I remember watching the uh, the original Battlestar, like Battlestar Galactica 78 on USA Network and reruns back in the day as a kid. And, and you know, when the Pegasus showed up in that, in that show, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so there's a little bit of nostalgia there. But yeah, the whole, the whole interplay between Kane and, and Adama, even down to the fact that, you know, like, Adama's basically sending over his ship's log for Admiral Kane to review. And uh, I think it's Apollo who's like, you know, uh, well, shouldn't they be, uh, or it might have been Ty. It was like, yeah, well, they should open up their logs to us. And, and Adama's like, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just kind of recognizing like the, the reality of it and then getting to the whole, you know, the whole thing where Hilo and uh, it's Hilo and uh, Tyrrell are trying to save Sharon from the, from a, uh, I uh, forget the guy's name. The oh my gosh, Thorn. Yes, the mm-hmm. creepy interrogator. You know, dude. I I could say many other words, but I I shan't because it's a family show. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, this is you know this is the the infamous ending of this was you know I'm gonna get my men back, and, then, and of course we get a raptor assault team, which there I mean God. God love that. I mean, I, any episode that has that, oh, I'm in. I'm in. And you get the end of the episode is like vipers flying at each other and and like neither one backing down and yeah like it is it is amazing how much the entire thing just absolutely goes right to hell within 60 minutes yeah and i was just reading the original cut of this was 20 minutes longer i mean actually it was was longer than that it was about an hour and a half it was a 90 minute cut that they uh that michael reimer had for this show and they were uh i guess uh David Icke and and Ron Moore were advocating for it to be shown as an hour and a half special episode, and sci and uh, and sci fi wouldn't do it, and so they ended up cutting it down uh, to a regular uh, regular length. But there is an extended version of this, uh, and and it's part of the reason why for the, for me this episode too is like there's another episode where there's like zero fat because they had to cut everything back. Mm-hmm. So there's always something going. I mean, everything is happening and everything is setting up something else. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. There's, there is very little fat on this yet. There's still character moments. Like the entire thing with, with Baltar and the six, 
they let the camera hang there for for seconds like precious yeah. seconds that when you're editing for like time like you would think okay some of this is going to get trimmed but they let it hang there so you they still manage to find that room to breathe but otherwise it's just it's just barreling down the tracks dude and it's such a great episode and an iconic episode oh yeah 100 percent oh man we're lined up four for four here i don't Uncle like Tom's it getting antsy all right on to matchup numero five <laughs> Totally lost track of any Spanish that I, I possess. I was what was going on there. Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing at all was going on inside my head. That's always the, the way that you can look at it. All right, number five is Fragged from season two going up against the Ties That Bind from season four. Fragged is summarized thusly. Ty, overwhelmed by the responsibilities of command, deals with the growing political tensions throughout the fleet. And the ties that bind is summarized as while Starbuck commands a lone freighter in her desperate search for Earth, political intrigue and marital discord aboard the Galactica are paralleled by deep rifts in the Cylon solidarity. Mm -hmm. Which one you got here, sir? Well, this one was tough as well, um, mainly because I, I had to choose between, you know, a, a, a very solid episode with a very dark ending to it. And crash down going through the graphs of how they are going to attack the missile. <laughs> yeah. Graph one, we will stand here. Graph two, we will walk five. <laughs> and I love I love Chief's explanation of that because he's he's trying not to break up, but he's like, usually you don't list it out like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's never really been used like this literally outside of the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Poor crash down. No, this you know this this was a good episode. Um, you know, had uh, you know, pr probably one of the most interesting thing. I mean, what, what happened on Cobalt was was very interesting because Baltar ends up shooting. Um, I think at the end of the day, crash down, and uh, and mm -hmm. and the group covers up for him mainly because you know crash down was just in in over his head as as a leader, um, and and was as, I mean threatening to shoot Callie if, if she didn't yeah threatening to shoot Callie clearly not dealing with the trauma of what they were going through definitely had a um, oh gosh what was the classic movie uh, we watched together uh, at the apartment with uh, oh gosh uh, the Godfather but it was in the jungle. Um, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Thank you. It, wow. It an, Godfather, but in the jungle. I'm like, okay. Oh, Marlon Brandt. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to connect the dots. So, uh, sorry, man. I'm I'm just trying to get to the actual answer because I just <laughs> for the people. Um, yes. But basically, uh, had a very Apocalypse Now sort of feel to it with Crash Down. I mean, he he just he just kind of descended into into La La Land with with everything yeah, going. Yeah, he got on. he got lost in the jungle. Yes. He did. He did. Um, but basically, uh, you know, uh, Rosalind goes off her meds and Ellen kind of sees this and she springs into action as Ellen does saying, oh, well, let's have the quorum of 12. See how you know crazy Rosalind is right now because she's, you know, off her meds or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and just the, how, how that whole thing played out. I mean. You know, a lot, lot going on. It's a good episode, but when I compared it to, you know, the ties that bind, which really has, um, for for me, one of the uh, heavy, uh, heavy moments in it with, um, you know, Callie kind of getting to know, you know, the the, the secret of the final four, and then, uh, and then basically is is uh, launched out into space. 
um, by Tori and just has a very haunting ending to it um, with her just floating in, in deep space. And then, you know, of course, Adama delivering the news to Tyrrell um, was just uh, just gutting. You know, I mean, it's it's just mm. I mean, not on the level of, of D gutting, but it's it's kind of gutting. You know, I mean, Callie and, and Tyrrell weren't doing great, but she she was a character from the very beginning. And you just don't see Tori doing that, you know, coming out of left field. You know, it just it just no, feels like not it's at out all. of nowhere. Um, so so to me, that that kind of uh, puts this over the edge for, for me. Um, you know, there, there's some interaction with with Cavill and the three models and uh, and and what they're trying to do. And and uh, and basically, um, you know, Cavill kind of, you know, massacring, you know, some of his own who are not, you know, kind of following him. You know, so you have this further splinter with with the Cylons and uh, and, and all of that. So there, there's just, you know, a, a lot of. Uh, you know, as, as I'm want to do going with, going with the one that, that, you know, the episode that has, you know, some narrative heft to it has some, you know, some inertia to it, if you will, to, to hurl the narrative forward. And then of course, you know, the Cali, uh, the, just the Cali thing out of nowhere was just shocking. So I had to give the nod to, uh, the ties that bind over fragged as much as I like Crashdown and his graphs. Uh, I had to go with, uh, the, the Cali death episode. Fair enough. And you, sir. Uh, for me, I'm I'm gonna go with fragged, and, and not and, and I I had this one. I already had this one down. I want the record to show. I did not just change this at the last minute just to have divergence because I didn't want us to line up on all of these. Uh, I, I really, I think that a lot of the the surprise that we get from like the Cali thing and all that. To me, I felt I I was realizing I felt that way because of fragged. Because yeah. I had seen it happen before. And it was, again, it's another thing that you just don't see in in sci-fi TV at this time. That You you never saw, you know, someone, a, a leader get taken out, which is the meaning of frag. That's what, you know, uh, it means that someone took out their leader because they were they were doing a bad job or they were putting their men in, their people in harm's way and, you know, unduly, things like that. So you, it's, it's something that you did not see. Um in those terms and in, in terms of a, like a, a TV show at the time and especially coming from Baltar, because I mean, at this point I was, I watching that show. I'm like, Oh my gosh, chief is totally going to take him out. Totally got to be. And yeah. it was Baltar. And the fact that they kind of covered up for him and that it also, like you say, you have the tie in with, with just Ellen, just undermining tie. Like on, on one hand, you almost want to like, she, well, she's trying her best, but, is she is she i don't know is she like is she a sleeper agent cylon at this point because it really seems like she's doing like everything possible to make things worse uh but that's just ellen and that's part of her charm and the reason why she's terrifying <laughs> so uh but yeah it, it just to me that was kind of more the og episode and i like that to me like it was just that further fallout of you know, the end of season one, the beginning of season two, that first half of season two, where it's just like, every, I mean, everything is on the skids at that point. Just everything is going wrong. And um, that's just, a, I don't know, kind of a soft spot for me, I guess, mm-hmm. episode wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you say, Ties It Bind is, is, does have a lot of heft and it has a lot of important stuff in it. But uh, I got to go with my heart in this one. going to go with Fragged. It's got to go with the graphs. Graph one. Yes. Walk over here. Graph two. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Oh, well, crash no, down. Credit to Sam Whitwear for playing that, you know, straight up, committing to 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 the geekery and, and the sadness of the moment by just being so by the book. It's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and the thing is, like, it is, it's it's him and Ty are both in over their head in very yes. different ways. Yes. And and just not suited to this sort of thing. And that and that trope of like the the uh you know the the very experienced person who doesn't have the rank but has the respect of everyone around them the the person who people actually go and talk to instead of talking to like the leader mm. because they're like this chucklehead doesn't know they just got they've got the stripes but they don't know like let me go talk to the dude over here who has the experience you know? yeah yeah uh, so yeah I'm a sucker for those things nice. All right, so matchup number six here in round one, we have Litmus from season one going up against Black Market from season two. Litmus is summarized thusly, a Cylon suicide bomber prompts Adama to form an independent tribunal to investigate the Cylon threat in the fleet. Black Market goes a little something like the death of a senior colonial officer prompts Apollo to lead an investigation into the rampant Black Market in the fleet. I'm not really sure that Apollo was uh, investigating. I think that he might have been there more for pleasure than business. Is but this is this not we'll Apollo, allow it? Is this not Apollo Noir? No, da, 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 da. never mind. I mean, in that case, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> kind of is, yeah. Sort uh, of. A, it's more like Apollo Cinemax. You know, that's more yeah. where we're heading with this. Yeah, like, kind of. It's kinda. a. It's. It's a black market affair. Um, so what do you got for this one, sir? You going with Litmus or black market? Uh, I actually ended up going with Litmus. Um, I thought it was, you know, a, a and, and Star Trek did one of these as well uh, with with it being kind of an, an episode where you have the the tribunal going on that just goes off the rails and, um, you know, in, in, in terms of it turning into a witch hunt. And but ironically, turning into a witch hunt that wasn't really far off from the truth. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. which, which actually made, you know, Adama shutting it down even more kind of interesting. And, and going back to Pegasus, that even gets kind of called out by Admiral Kane, like, or I'm sorry, not Pegasus. I think it's resurrection ship part one. Um, when she, uh, you know, is going to, uh, or no, no, I think it is Pegasus. Cause she, she has the trial for, uh, Tyrell and Hilo, which goes very quickly and they're found guilty. Um, and Which you know, I, it, was there any time for deliberation there? No, no. not really. And, and you know, and Adama calls it out, and Kane f- kind of flips it around on him and says, "Well, when you didn't agree with a tribunal, you just shut it down." And she's right. <laughs> so, and not only did he shut it down, but they were actually kind of on the right path, and you know, almost finding you know Tyrrell and Boomer being kind of behind what what had happened, or at least hiding some mm-hmm. some some information. So, so I I just thought it was it was a really well done episode. Um, does does a nice job of of kind of telling that story of of you know basically a, a people kind of turning on themselves all in the name of justice and and you know just just kind of finding ways to uh you know indict people when they're really you, you're really kind of grabbing onto very loose threads and that sort of thing and i i just liked it black market um i've always had kind of an issue with with the episodes with apollo kind of dealing with the near-death you know experience he went through on the blackbird and just him kind of giving up it just kind of seemed and, and I actually just watched that episode today, uh, finished it just before we, we got on. And, and it just, I, I you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that, that it was, um, you know, uh, 
completely out of place because, you know, he's a pilot. He puts himself on the line every day. And, you know, there's probably trauma that comes with that, especially when you're, you're, you know, dealing with uh, getting shot down and whatnot. But, but for his character, it just, someone who's always so filled with hope, it just seemed very much the opposite of his character. And so I, I just, ha- I've had a hard time with this one. I, I know this is a near and dear one to you because Bill Duke's in it, but uh, my and, man, and, and, my and man. it is good to see him. But uh, I, I just, this one doesn't, really kind of connect for me so i uh i uh will forego uh black market and select litmus how about you sir well as you may have noticed uh a last minute change you've you won me over <gasps> oh well would you, you won me that? over <laughs> i and the thing is uh, my first of all my reasoning for originally going with black market was the fact that i d- i do appreciate that we kind of delve into Apollo a little bit and mm-hmm. into his psyche and where he's at. And and you get a little more background on, you know, he had a girlfriend on Caprica and I guess she was pregnant and, you know, and now she's gone. And right. Like all these different layers and you start seeing that like Apollo is not just the goody goody and, you know, that he, they, there's, there's more to him. So I, I guess that was kind of an interesting thing in there. And it was a further development of his character. Um, and the idea that, you know, that there is this black market network on the fleet, which mm-hmm. again, totally makes sense that this would, this would be a thing. Um, and of course, you know, Tom Zarek kind of getting his, his grubby little paw in there makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day though, the more I'm, I'm thinking about it, the idea that it was, you know, Apollo goes in. First of all, they shoots my man Bill Duke. Uh, you know, that's just kind of rough. You know, uh, <laughs> that You're would wrong. have been a character. That would have been a character I would have loved to see come back. But um, yes, but just kind of takes him out, and then is like, we're going to keep this going. But you know, you you do this and this and this, mm-hmm. and then like it, it's it. At the end of the day, it does weaken that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that it never yeah. really came up again. In right, any other season, right. which is is kind of tough. Um, Litmus, on the other hand, it does have that. It does have the trial. It does, and like you say, it is impactful because it gets, gets callback, and it's like, dang, Sergeant at Arms was on the right track, wasn't she? You're wrong. Um, and of course, you get that great scene at the end where where Adam is like, "I'm bringing this to an end," and she's going, he's going to walk out, and you know, the, the Sergeant at Arms tell the Marines to detain him, and he's like, "You're gonna have to make a choice now." <laughs> And of course, you know, they go and they arrest the sergeant at arms. And I'm like, oh, is, 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 one, on one hand, you're like, yeah, way to go, you know, commander. And then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. They, she uh. would write. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. So a litmus, uh, definitely an iconic episode and definitely worth moving on to the to the next round without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. All um, right. So. Oh, and that that means we are now lined up on what? Uh, five out of six. <laughs> Kind of like what I shoot from the free free throw line. Five of six. Wow. Aren't you ultra con- When is the last time you actually shot some hoops? Uh, last summer, actually, with my with my boys. Really? Oh, yeah. How'd you do? Uh, there, there, there were some pulled muscles. <laughs> <laughs> my back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. I remember back 20 some odd years ago when we used to play hoop and both of oh. us would be in a dire condition afterwards. We, I can't imagine now. <laughs> we were in rough shape after those games, man. <laughs> Holy moly. Of course, it was full contact. So oh, gosh. It was awful. It was, 
just <laughs> hitting each other for crying out loud is ridiculous. Yeah, too They're young and stupid. Indeed. All right. So next up, uh, matchup number seven from round one. Uh, as we hurl into hour four of this show, uh, six of one from season four up mm-hmm. against Bastille Day from season one. Uh, six of one is uh, is uh, summarized as thus. Starbuck faces the repercussions of her armed confrontation with President Roslin and loses the confidence of most of the crew. After learning the final five models are within the colonial fleet, a number six model named Natalie leads a coup within the Cylon hierarchy. Mm. Bastille Day is summarized as, as water riots break out in the fleet, Apollo tries to convince prisoners aboard uh, the tragically named Astral Queen to help with collecting the water. However, the appearance of a famous terrorist complicates his plans. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you got here, sir? Uh, this one uh, was actually easier than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be a tough one um, because, you know, a lot of season or sorry, uh, season four is is just so well done, you know, being the last season and all. Um, but I actually went with Bastille Day uh, because as I compared the two, one thing that Bastille Day has that a lot of other episodes don't is is that this debut of Tom Zarek, when you consider it in the context of the entire series, because he is such a, a, a such a critical character at different juncture mm. points. When, when, when I look back at the series and stuff, I mean, this is really the, you know, kind of the, the starting point, the Genesis, if you will, of, of one of the main agents of chaos within the fleet. And, but yet weaving in and out of being, you know, a politician and then, you know, kind of being part of the resistance and being this and that, and then ultimately being a mutineer who is finally, you know, executed for, for his mutinous ways, um, is, is, you know, just such a great, you know, it was great that they took a guy who had made his name as the original Apollo and just put him into a different character and then leaned into that, you know, and had him come back and be, you know, almost be like somewhat of a reformed character who you never really could quite trust or understand or know if he had turned, you know, uh, a, a corner in terms of his behavior and his attitude. And, and, and ultimately he didn't, you know, he, he, it, it ultimately came down to him trying to once again, pull off some sort of a stunt to, to get power and to overthrow what he felt was the, the powers that be. And, uh, and so I, I just, I had to give it to Bastille Day because as a, as an episode, it's, it's a solid one. Um, and, and it was interesting how it ended because because, you know, at the end of the day, what he wanted, he got because Apollo basically says to Rosalind, you are filling an office and you have seven more months in filling that office that you, you know, took part in and we're going to have open elections. And mm. so he, you know, he treats Zarek as someone who has a point and who has, you know, some, so, you know, a, a valid beef and and you know kind of brings that that as you know to bear as part of the conclusion of the episode um as well as you know the episode establishing Zarek as a leader and you know as a little bit of a shenanigan guy so um compared to six of one which is really just more about you know kind of the the progression of the Cylon civil war which you know of course that that has ramifications in the series as well. I, I just mm-hmm. felt like Bastille Day carries a whole heck of a lot more weight, and a lot of it is because of Zarek. So that is what I am going with. What say you, sir? Yeah, I'm going to agree. Bastille Day is a huge uh, jumping-off point 
Um, because I mean, just like for all the reasons you gave, just all of the the dirty little pies that Tom Zarek has his dirty little fingers in mm. through the entire show, the agent of chaos that he is, never quite understanding exactly which side he's on yes. besides his own. And what hustle uh, he's trying to run. <laughs> yeah, so it's such an interest and so well played by Richard Hatch. Mm-hmm. So well played. And I think it's even more interesting when you come to understand, like, Richard Hatch was not a, a big fan of the idea of this show. Like, he actually had his own Battlestar, re, uh, Battlestar Galactica reboot that he mm-hmm. was trying to get financing for. Like, he, uh, there's there's a, a YouTube video of the promo reel for it, and it had him, uh, a couple of other people, I think there's a couple of other original cast members, the, including the old, you know, the original Baltar mm-hmm. was all part of it. And the whole idea was that it was the search for Starbuck. Like, Starbuck mm-hmm. was going to be the key to all the whole thing. And... I don't think Dirk Benedict was in this at all, but they talked about him. So I think that there have been some sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge agreement that like you would do this right sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but the fact that that fell through and that then this does happen, I don't I think he kind of was on record as not being in favor of it. But then to come around and to actually be uh, to play a part in it and to play a, a character polar opposite of his character from the original show. But also to do it so well. He was so good as like the villain slash maybe villain slash ah, damn it. He's aligned with him now. I still don't like him, but he's helped. Maybe he played that role so well. Yeah. And it was just a really great acting performance from him. So it's really yep. hard to not give it to him there. Even though six of one does have some very interesting developments, it does kind of get us from you know the beginning of season four into where starbuck is going to go take the demetrius and and go out with her little ragtag crew uh and and try and find the next clue to earth and all of that uh there's a lot that goes on there that kind of feeds into the rest of season four but bastille day is is iconic of, of course because again it's it's that you're dealing with somebody who you know, Lee in a way kind of looks up to, and yeah. you also, you have the ticking time bomb of, of Callie getting shot and, or does she get shot? I think she does get shot. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, there's a lot going on in there and it's, you know, of course you have Starbuck playing like the sharpshooter and, and Lee like saving Zarek mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of almost saving him from being the martyr that he wants to be and all of this stuff. It's, it's insane. And, and it kind of also like the first time that Lee is really becoming a pain in the ass for both Rosalind and Adama at the same time, because he's like, no, no, it's, we're going to do it this way. And that, yeah. and, and they're both just, I think this is the one where, where Rosalind is like, he's your, he's your son. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. It's like the first time where you're like, oh my gosh, they're yeah. so going to be a couple. Cause they're fighting over Lee. Like it's their kids. Like your son did this. <laughs> Oh, it's my yep. son. Yep. What about our son? You know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, such an iconic episode and, and also extraordinarily well done. And, and one quick thing to throw in about Six of One that is interesting is uh, as part of the progression of the Cylon Civil War, this is where the robot Cylons, uh, I think one of the six models re- re- removes their, uh, like we learned yes. that there was a, a brain inhibitor that um, mm-hmm. prevented them from being, you know, basically of, you know, sentient, you know, kind of free will uh, for themselves. And so now they've removed that, at least on this base star they were on. And that 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 results in a rather bloody uh, shootout. 
yeah, happening. Yeah. So the Centurions start thinking for themselves, and yes. they've got some uh, they've got some grudges. Yes, they do. Yes, they yeah. do. All right, that brings us to our final matchup in round one. Islanded in a stream of stars from season four, going up against Resistance from season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Islanded in a stream of stars is summarized as Boomer's Raptor escapes damage. Uh, escape damages Galactus. Oh, so I had that wrong. So Boomer's Raptor escape damages. Oh no, I do have that wrong because that happened previously. But this is following up on it. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I'm just debating myself. So the Raptor escape damages Galactica when she jumps too close to the hull. Admiral Domina makes the crucial decision to abandon ship and puts Lee in charge of offloading equipment to the rest of the fleet. As Starbuck searches for the meaning behind the Cylon song, Baltar tries to expose her return from the dead as proof of life after death. Resistance is summarized as Ty's imposition of martial law sparks protests in the fleet. Meanwhile, Starbuck and Hilo discover additional survivors on Caprica. What do you got, sir? This was tough. Uh, you know, Resistance is a solid episode. Um, you know, the the, the massacre of uh, at the Gideon is you know is is a event that plays out and, and kind of reverberates, you know, from a few episodes later on, uh, mm. I think around with, well, definitely for final cut, you know, uh, that we talked about earlier, um, because of the way it kind of casts the, the military and what it's doing. And then, uh, not to mention the, the, the irony of, of Rosalind and, and Apollo getting help from Tom Zarek, uh, yeah. <laughs> going to hiding, uh, once again, our agent of chaos, uh, throwing oh, yeah. the wrench it, in all plans. Wasn't it like Lee's like, uh, I've got an idea, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a solid episode where Starbuck and Hilo meet with the resistance group and, and, you know, get to know, uh, Anders and you start to see the budding, you know, kind of romance there with with uh starbuck and him um but uh but at the end of the day you know the you know adama comes back and and ty is kind of at his wits end and um and of course you know the 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 big event is that callie is there taking boomer uh you know uh from prison to some other place on the ship you know callie shoots and kills her um yeah which, the jack ruby moment exactly exactly so i mean this one has a lot of really you know has, has some forward you know, implications has, has a lot of resonance to it, you know, through season two. But when I look at Island in a stream of stars, this was, um, you know, this, this was kind of an episode that, you know, it's, I mean, this is the one just before daybreak and, yeah. and you know, you know, Adama has, has his moment where, where he just starts throwing paint at the wall and just, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of having his little fit about, you know, what's going on with the ship and how the ship is falling apart. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, makes the, the, the tough decision to, to kind of abandon ship and move on. And so, um, so, I mean, I, I, I have to go with it. Um, you know, there, there's the whole, you know, plot point with Boomer and Hera and, and the kidnapping there and, um, and just their interaction. And then, um, you know, also with, uh, with what Baltar pulls with, with Starbuck in terms of, you know, using her as kind of a, a, you know, a, uh, mm-hmm. religious symbol of sorts when that's not at all what she wants to be. And, uh, and of course we have Anders, you know, kind of morphing into a hybrid now that he's in the state that he's in. So, so, the, you know, this one has a lot of heft to it and, and, you know, the, the ending part with Ty and Adama just sitting there and, you know, 
Adama just kind of resigning himself to the fact that it's just, you know, it's time to abandon the ship. And, and it was, was just a really kind of solid ending and, and an emotional one. And so for all those reasons, I, I went with Island into stream of stars. I felt it just, it had the heft and the, the impact to it um, more so than resistance. Uh, so uh, that is what I'm going with. Fair enough, sir. Good call. And I'm going to agree with it wholeheartedly uh, oh. for all the reasons that you have. And, uh, you know, Resistance, again, a great, great episode. Uh, I, you know, you could go so far as to say iconic because, again, we're getting the, the Resistance on on Caprica, occupied Caprica. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the whole thing with uh, with Roslyn and, and Lee. Yeah, all that's going on. But, man, this is the setup mm. for Daybreak. And uh, may I do the it, line? It's tough. It's tough to take that away. And yes, please. This is a one-way trip. Okay, I didn't. I thought you were going to go for the. I. I again, like. And I, actually, I think this is the one where where uh, where Rosalind says to Adama, like, "You're losing your two ladies. Mm. You're losing the two women in your life because it really is. It's like you know, yeah. Adama's." love for the Galactica and then his, 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 the love that grows for Rosalind. Um, and then, uh, then of course the final scene in the, in Adama's quarters with, you know, they're toasting best ship in the fleet. And, it, you know, I mean, damn it. In that moment, it was like, Oh, well now how we, where, what do we, where do we go from here? Like you can't have this show is Battlestar Galactica, right? What the crap? Um, which then of course hurls us towards the, the next, the, the finale when he decides he's going to go after Hera, you know, yep. whatever be damned. Yep. Um, going so far as like, if he can't crew the Galactica, he'll take a Raptor assault team and by himself, you know, and, and, and do what he can. And it's like, Holy crap. I, I don't know how you beat that. And because there is so much emotion in that, you know, just watching, watching Adama kind of break down and melt down, realizing what's happening and, yeah. and just, that he can't do anything about it, and we all know that it, we all know that Adam is a control freak, and that you know it, it, it's addressed many times. But just to see him finally just crack on it, like it's yeah. like there's nothing he can do. Like he has literally done everything possible that he could. Like he's allowing the Cylons to repair his ship with Cylon goo that's going to be part of the ship. So now the ship is actually part Cylon. You know, like. He has gone as far as possible and it ain't good enough. Yep. And that emotion, that emotional level to it is just, it just kind of puts it up over the edge for me. I 100% agree. All right. So in a strange turn of events, seven out of eight matchups we agree on. You know what? We've had a theme for every bracket as we've done this. Yes. I think this one, you know, not, not really going to refer to a character. I think this is just going to be simply known as the unity bracket. Really? Yeah. You you think we're going to come out on, you know, on the same same shows on this? You think we're going to finally unite on our, our final selection? We will see. I yeah, think so. I, th- I, I don't have a lot of faith. I would change it the last <laughs> second. Just the way I am. I am that jerk. I, I just don't, I know this about myself. Force. Yes. All right, so now we finally get to round two in hour eight of our show here. We appreciate y'all for sticking around. So round two, the first matchup is the winner of matchups one and two from round one, which makes it a final cut versus someone to watch over me 
for both of us. Mm-hmm. So what are you taking out of this one? Uh, I'm going to go with someone to watch over me as good as final cut is. Uh, you know, I just think this episode has someone to watch over me, um, has just more weight and, and, you know, that, that sort of narrative inertia to it. Um, you know, especially when you consider that this is the construction of what will end up being the sequence that Kara punches in to launch them to their final destination point, uh, in daybreak. And so, uh, as well as the shenanigans by Boomer, uh, Sharon versus Athena Sharon. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, someone to watch over me. I agree completely. Very nice. I agree completely. I'm also going with someone to watch over me for all of those reasons. And the unity uh, that's bracket, ladies and gentlemen, unity. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's a Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Starbucks centric. Centric. Oh, man, I am just stumbling all over my words tonight. <laughs> man, I haven't even had any Star- cold medicine or anything yet. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Colonel. Appreciate that. <laughs> but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a Kara. Uh, themed episode, so I'm always uh, happy with those. So now we get to uh, matchup number two, which is the winner of three and four from round one. So that means Precipice versus Pegasus for both of us. Which one you going with, sir? Uh, as good as Precipice is, and as as weighty as it is, uh, I got to go with Pegasus. I think it is still uh, solid top to bottom. Uh, you know, just just such an amazing episode, and and one of the uh, you know I, I know we've thrown the term iconic around a lot tonight, but it is it is an iconic episode. It is a a tentpole of of the season two, um, and and is just a a turning point of sorts for the narrative of that season. So, I am going to go with. Pegasus. Uh, I don't like the agreement, but I'm going to go with Pegasus as well. And for all of those reasons, again, Pegasus just, it's almost like when this episode to me is almost like when we had those two parters in the Mm. previous brackets Mm. going up against a single episode and you kind of felt bad because you're like, it's twice as much story. I feel like Pegasus almost is like a two parter. Yeah. Just mashed into one episode. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much going on and it has zero fat and just, uh, you know, nonstop yep. through the whole episode. Yeah, it's it's not really fair. But oh, well, who cares about fair? On to the next ma- on to the next matchup, which Unity. is matchup number three. This is uh, the winners of five and six from round one, which means the ties that bind versus litmus for you and fragged versus black. Uh, no, fragged versus litmus for me because I changed mine. That's right. Ah, and does that change the result? <laughs> well, you're just going to have to find out now. Well, uh, after, got? after strong consideration, uh, because this this is a tough one, um, both are, are very solid episodes. We get into that second round, it's very difficult. But uh, I I have to give the nod to the ties that, uh, to, to the ties that bind, uh, you know, for all the reasons stated before. It's just a very... Uh, very monumental episode uh with with a character death and and just you know a lot of very interesting interaction going on between the characters and you know especially the cylons and you know kind of the progression of that civil war so i am going to go with the ties that bind very nice for me um you know i i said before litmus deserved to be in the second round it just it's done enough But uh, but fragged. I just I've I I really feel like that episode just to me is one of those things that I think back over the first half of of BSG and is one of the one of the episodes that just kind of stands out again for the interesting the you, you just don't see this 
Yeah. Like, and it shows the dysfunction of what a group of survivors going through space are going to be like that at some point you wind up with this weird thing where, Hey, everyone else in, who's on, I mean, you will, you have Callie and, and chief who have kind of been in their spot and you have Baltar who's, you know, totally out of his element, we think. And then you got crash down who just, because of what happened with, uh, with boomer mm-hmm. and, uh, and Hilo getting left on Cylon occupied Caprica, Boomer ain't been there, but like, I mean, a boomer crashdown ain't been there, but five minutes, but yet he's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, is not really that well qualified, but just because he's, you know, he's a lieutenant LT, he's in charge. And, you know, uh, to me, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is, this kind of makes sense of like some sort of snafu of this scope would happen in this situation. And so I'm going to go with fragged. I, I think it's, it's a solid episode and is one of those episodes that for me is iconic because it stood out to me as like, wow, I really hadn't seen this before. In my head canon, it's iconic to you because of Crashdown's graphs. I'm just saying, you know, whatever, whatever gets you through the night, <laughs> sir. I'm, you know, ah, whatever. So, so we've gone different here. We we have we have we have lack of unity, and Uncle Todd yes. is once again at ease. <laughs> Dissonance is is my is my comfort zone. Indeed. Is that is that weird to say? Uh, all right. So matchup number four for round two. This is the winner from seven and eight in round one. So that means Bastille Day up against Islanded in a stream of stars for both of us. Which are you going with, sir? Ah, uh, tough one. This was a tough one, but uh, this is where uh, my on-the-fly booking comes into play because as much as I enjoy Islanded in a stream of stars and you know all the things that made us choose it, uh, I, I have to give the nod to Bastille Day. It is a strong season one contender. It is the establishment of Tom Zarek and that character and his impact you know, just through the four seasons, you can draw a straight line, uh, for a lot of, you know, what, what the, what the fleet goes through and his involvement in, in some of those things. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Bastille Day over Island in a stream of stars in an upset, uh, a Barry Horowitz, if you will, uh, jobber like sort of victory out of no one, two, three kiddish, if you will, uh, Bastille Day gets the nod. How about you? Yeah, I, I think you got to go with one, two, three kid on that one. I don't think Barry Horowitz ever went over in any kind of meaningful way hey, he anywhere. Did in 95, anyhow. Okay. He did in 95. How, what are you talking about? In, in 95, they did, it was 95 or 96. They did this feud with, uh, uh, his name was Skip of the Body Donnas. And he got this surprise victory over him on like one of the shows. And then they did a pay-per-view match. Like he actually had a pay-per-view moment where he, he was like the curtain jerker match and Horowitz won. The fact that you know that is awe-inspiring and terrifying to me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Who'd you pick, Bastille Day or Island Industry? I don't even remember what we were talking about now. I'm just dumbfounded that you just pulled that out of your memory with such clarity. <laughs> I, I mean, bourbon I've seen killed, you. Bourbon hasn't killed that region yet, so <laughs> I've seen you do it before. But just, it still shocks me when it happens. <laughs> um, wow. Anyways, uh, I went with Islanded in a Stream of Stars, and uh, man, Bastille Day. I, I totally get your choice, and I, you know, it sounds funny. I respect your choice in that. Like it's like we're talking about some sort of like religious doctrine or something yes yes but i mean you know well for bsg it kind of is in a way uh but 
you know, totally well founded. Like I get everything you're saying there, mm. and and I and it's damn near enough to make to sway me on it. Um, except, just I keep going back. Islanded and Stream of Stars is the launch pad for Daybreak, and it sets it up to me beautifully in in mm. both a story form and both uh, an emotional platform. It just it it is just setting the table for what is to me one of the great you know, kind of climaxes in, in television history and got to give it a bit of a nod there. It just, I got to go with my heart on this one. My head says Bastille day. Yeah, totally. Iconic season one episode. Uh, do you my want heart some says stats? Islanded. Do you want some stats that are going to kind of blow your mind? Bastille, sure. Bastille day is the third episode of season one. All right. So if you count the miniseries, yeah. it's really number four. Okay. And Islanded in a Stream of Stars is just before Daybreak, which is technically three parts. So these are bookended episode four of season one, fourth episode from the end of the series. A little bit of symmetry there, my friend. A little bit, except the miniseries. I mean, when you if you break it down, I mean, that's really like two or three episodes. If you were to if you were to just chop them up into like sh- just time well, blocks. That's what I mean. Like it, in in Wikipedia's terms, they're calling it the third episode of season one. I'm saying if you count the miniseries as two parts, two episodes, right? One, two, three, four. It's really the fourth episode. Okay, sure. I'm just saying. That's I'm. Uh, hey, you know what? I I, I love the minutia. So you you know. So Barry Horowitz in '95, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> don't please, please don't stop him. Just stop him. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So actually, I was watching that WrestleMania five uh, review today, mm-hmm. and there was one of the—I think it was like—was it like the Red Rooster against Bobby Heenan? Yes. Like it was one of the matches, and the Brooklyn Brawler came down and saved Heenan. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Just the fact that the Red Rooster and the Brooklyn Brawler have WrestleMania on their resume At is WrestleMania some, moment. Yes. And yet, you know. The showcase of the immortals, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> showcase of the immortals. Anywho, uh, you like that rabbit trail? Welcome back. Uh, so here we are in round three. We are now in hour thirteen of our show. Thank you for sticking around. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And uh, so round three, we have the matchup number one, which is the winner of one and two from round two. Why? Because that's just the way we do it. Uh, someone to watch over me versus Pegasus for both of us. Which one are you going with here, sir? Uh, I'm going to keep riding the Pegasus, my friend. It, it is it is a <laughs> solid episode, and as, and as good as someone to watch over me is, uh, I, I got to go with Pegasus. Um, Wasn't it like Clash of the Titans or something like that when he was riding Pegasus yes. around? And, yeah, okay. Yes, it was. And... I, uh, you know, as, as, as good as, uh, you know, someone to watch over me is, um, I, I'm in, I'm probably suffering from bias having just seen it, but yeah, just top to bottom Pegasus solid. So I'm going with it. How about you? You, uh, you know, you know, I love me some Pegasus, you know, I love that episode. It is, oh, is amazing. Someone to watch over me, though. I, I just I've always really liked that episode. And is, is one of the episodes when I think about Starbucks kind of story arc, mm-hmm. I think about kind of her initial, you know, the initial miniseries, of course, where we see her with Ty and, and then kind of ending that, you know, when she tells Lee that, you know, she that Zach failed basic flight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, why are you telling me this now? It's the end of the world. I'm confessing my sins. Like, I think about that. And then I think about the moment with uh, 
you know, with uh, with Hilo in her apartment, just with mm-hmm. the music playing and they're both just beat up and just recovering. And, uh, you know, then I think about, you know, just various things like I always kind of come back to the the moments in someone to watch over me like it's always right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I again, I just I I thought it was a great performance by Katie Sackhoff. And I know that honestly, people are probably tired of me saying that. But like I've said before, I'm totally in the bag on whatever she does. So, I mean, I'm I'm saying that right up front. I'm a total mark for, for Katie Sackhoff. It's and I'm OK with that. It's it's served me well thus far in my life. So Uncle Tom's I mean, it has looking a- at Sackhoff goes over Kane. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> Actually, that's great. Yeah, in a Hell in a Cell match, I'm I'm booking Starbuck over Admiral Kane. Yes, so someone to watch over me uh, takes it in round three for me. Uh-huh. A shocker to nobody. All right, so the other matchup in round three is the winner of uh, matchups three and four, and from round two, that means that you have the ties that bind. Versus Bastille Day, I have fragged versus islanded in a stream of stars. What do you got, sir? Ah, my friend, and it is a Rush song as well. Bastille Day, <laughs> of Rain course. Supreme over if it doesn't the ties if it doesn't bind. tie back to to wrestling, it ties back to Rush. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is Bastille Day. Seeing seeing the light of day, going to the finals to go one on one against the Pegasus. Uh, that's what I'm going with, Tom Zarek, ladies and gentlemen. One on one with the great one. Indeed. Uh, well, as far as I go, uh, this is where uh, Crashdown makes his second exit. Uh, I'm going to go with Islanded in a Stream of Stars. Ah! I mean, Frag is a, Frag's a great episode. I want to see and the I've, graphs make it to the final, man. Nope, nope. It ain't going to happen again. Just this, this is the setup for Daybreak. Enough said. <sighs> Jeez, which brings us to our finals, Disunity. which means you have Pegasus ver- again. Yeah, no, there was no worry about unity. That went to that went to pot <laughs> real quick. <laughs> Round four. This is the finals right here. Mm. You have Pegasus versus Bastille Day. Mm. And I've got someone to watch over me versus Islanded in a stream of stars. Nice. What so you got a you got a season two up against a season one. Both of mine are season four, and not only are they both season four, they are consecutive e- episodes. Yes, yes, indeed. The third to last and the second to last episode before the impressive, finale. most impressive. So, what are you going to do, sir? What are you going to go with, Pegasus or Bastille Day? This was tough because uh, for all the reasons I've mentioned before about both these episodes, I mean just just strong contenders on either side. Uh, but much like the Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels match, Pegasus gets caught in the ropes. Bastille day. Tom Zara climbs to the top, grabs the belt and is victorious uh, for, for coming out of region four. I am uh, booking a season one to, to complete my final four with one episode from every season. I am going with Bastille day, the Tom Zarek debut and an establishment of the agent of chaos for the fleet. So that is what I'm going with, sir. How about you? Excellent choice. Thank excellent you. choice. Couldn't, could, couldn't uh, go wrong with either of those, to be perfectly honest. Couldn't go wrong. No. With I could see Pegasus as a strong final four contender. It was tough. I went back and forth and I said, at the end of the day, I want balance. I want at least one season one in there. And I'm sorry, Pegasus, I've got to job you out. So yeah, Bastille Day it was. 
I mean, out of these final four matchups, there really isn't a bad one. Oh, I mean, not just no. not not even a weaker episode in there. I think. No. no. Um, for me, I know that people are going <laughs> to see this. The sigh. <laughs> but here's the thing, okay? So I mean, it's it's someone to watch over me, of course. It's, it is. Yes, <laughs> it's an all Starbucks final four for me. Okay, it's just, you called it right at the beginning, and damn it, it's I I can't I can't deny the Guilty heart wants what the heart charged. wants. The thing is, okay, and <laughs> I, I the emotional undercurrent of the episode of just her realization that essentially she is she's been sitting there talking with her dad the whole time and all of that kind of unfolding from an emotional standpoint mm. going back to when she was on silo a uh, Cylon occupied Caprica with Hilo going back to her apartment and the thing that she goes back for is her dad's music and that's the music that they are yeah. listening to as they're as they're kind of having that moment in that in that apartment of just like exhale like okay you know this all sucks but let's just relax for a minute you right. know and that carrying in knowing how important that was to her and 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 understanding then like what her relationship was with her mom and then you know how finding out kind of how her dad fits into her psyche all leading into just this idea because also playing out in this is like nobody knows who or what Kara is at this point because there there's that whole thing with Baltar about how she's an angel and you know then the way that daybreak plays out where you're still like okay what the hell just happened there is just this aura about who she is and and you kind of get that this emotional kind of anchor through this episode and I mm -hmm. just I thought it was a really great episode and I it's it's one of those episodes to me that it just it, this one is not I feel as impactful to the overall story even though you do kind of get the idea like hey this is where it leads to you know yeah. the final jump yeah but it's to me it's like one of the the strongest like Starbuck emotional episodes mm. and uh and I just really appreciate that about it and it's a little bit different so I I'm I am unabashedly going with that one for my pick in region four so well, well, well done, sir. Those, those are, are two solid finalists and, and a solid uh, finals contender for the Starbucks Buck Buck Final Four, which I'm going to theme right now, ladies and gentlemen. Our Final Four is going to be the universe collapses upon itself bracket because <laughs> Uncle Todd has some very difficult decisions to make. And we I'm all just gonna... know that Starbuck will go over on Starbuck in some way, shape, or form. But the question is... What season of Starbuck, ladies and gentlemen? No, it's a, it's going to be a count out. It's going to be like a. <laughs> I'm going to manage to get a DQ finish or something in here. I don't know oh, how yet, but I'm going to work nice. it. I'm going to work nice. it. Very nice. So you will have someone to watch over me. Uh, you can't go home again. Active contrition and maelstrom going head to head in the final four. I have lay down your burdens, <laughs> blood on the scales, crossroads, and Bastille Day. So my gosh, they're going. Oh, well, you and I are going to have some difficult choices to make in that final four episode, my friend. It is going to be ridiculous, and I'll <laughs> I'll just address this right now. Uh, we are actually we've we've spent like approximately eighty hours recording these past four oh, episodes. Good lord! So just a programming note for everyone out there: we are actually going to take next week off to recuperate 
Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be jetting off to Tahiti to Catch lay on the nap. beach for a little while. Catch a nap. Uh, no, actually, t- we've the, there's other plans and we have lives and stuff, so it's just not going to work out <laughs> to record next week. So we will catch up with you at the beginning of April mm. for our final four and and also a a probably a very vigorous discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both of the miniseries and Daybreak. Like we'll probably talk through a bit, a bit of both of those and and give those a nice little shine because we haven't talked about them at all except in like peripheral terms. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about those a little bit and also go through our final four and find out. Which is the episode that is bestest of all? Because we have four different episodes for both of us. So yes. it's we're going to get two very different answers. Uh, however, I think Starbuck will play into uh, one of our answers somehow. <laughs> I'm just guessing. More so than the other. <laughs> yeah. And another thing. All right, sir. So what have you got for and another thing this episode? Well, I'm going back to the well. This was one I did kind of in our early days of uh, this this fine podcast, uh, Civilization VI. Uh, if you've ever played the Civilization series, it is a, ra- a turn-based strategy game uh, where uh, you basically start at the very beginning of, of Civilization and you build up uh, as... Uh, a member of one of uh, n number of, of countries um, or, or backgrounds. And so uh, you just go through time um, with the goal of either, uh, you, you basically win the game by either being the first civilization to launch uh, a space shuttle into space or uh, the first uh, or the or the last civilization standing. Uh, so in a lot of ways, like wrestling, it's, uh, you know, it's got the last man standing concept going for it. Uh, if, if you're more into the, the domination aspect of things. Uh, but if, uh, but if you're into the, uh, you know, kind of sciencey sort of, you know, di- diplomacy and, and kind of, uh, keeping the peace with everyone, then, uh, you know, the, the space shuttle approach is the way to go. So that is, uh, you know, that kind of sums up the game, but o- over the years it is, it has grown and gotten uh, a little more involved. And, and I really enjoy some of the, in- it's probably the, the, the 40 year old me coming out with, um, just enjoying some some of the intricacies. Uh, the the maps now are just gorgeous. They're they're very three dimensional, so you have a real sense of like mountains and valleys and you know you know these lakes and I, I mean it's just it's a beautiful beautiful game and uh, and and just uh, you know where some of it may be considered heavy and kind of uh, a lot to process and deal with. I I just it, it's it's the right speed for me. I enjoy it. So I, I gosh. This thing has been around for 30 years. Yes. Sid Meier Civilization, man. It's been around for a long time. I played it first in, uh, I think it was, oh, it's around the time Barry Horowitz was going over. Uh, 96, ladies and gentlemen, is when I started playing Civilization 2. Uh, and, uh, and and I've played uh, four. I, actually, it's kind of like the Star Trek episodes or, or movies of sorts. I play the even-numbered ones. Um, so, uh, yeah. So if you're looking to try a new game uh, and, and something you haven't tried before but like strategy, oriented games it, i would highly recommend civilization six a lot of fun uh and uh and and you know a lot of different options they they have scenario games where you can kind of dive into a time in history and kind of play out you know different countries and 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 achieve certain goals uh there was at one point you could design your own scenarios you could um you know, you can play on these massive maps as a multiplayer aspect to it. I haven't even tried yet, you know, playing in the cloud with other other players. Uh, so just just a lot of options and just a very deep and rich and fun game. So Civ 6, as it warms up outside, if you're bored, 
<laughs> do play it. Don't go outside. Don't get sun. Just sit That's in right. your room and play more games. That's right. Just just sit in your room, play more games. That's a great idea. What a, what a great in, what a great role model for the children of America you are. That's why they this call me the man they called him. How about you, sir? Uh, I'm going to give a plug for one of my favorite shows uh, right now and has been for a few years now, uh, Dis- uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, which you can nice. find on the Paramount Plus. Uh, I am I am just such a fan of this show. It's it is. And again, because I am a fan of things that kind of subvert, uh, subvert, subvert tropes and things like that. So the fact that this show is is just constantly kind of reinventing itself um, and has done some things that are just very interesting when you consider what Star Trek has been uh, for for decades and how they have kind of woven this show, I think, mm. very beautifully in with the the overall lore of Star Trek as a whole. Um, I think that the 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 cast is is really good. Probably one of the better ensemble casts I've seen since uh, since BSG. Not as not as great. Um, but really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really dig um, just, I mean, oh man, I, I just, I, I really do appreciate all the different kind of uh, different actors who are on, on it and just, uh, and what they bring to the table, even in the, even the small parts that some have it, it, in some episodes, but it's just great. Um, and it, and the fact that it just does, it kind of pisses off Star Trek fans, uh, some Star Trek fans too, which I totally enjoy because I just, I love watching fans just get all huffy about something. I'm like, you do realize this is fiction, right? Once it's again, Uncle Todd and Unity, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally enjoy when like just these fan nerds just kind of co- completely go off their nut about something. And it's like, <laughs> dude, just relax, you know? <laughs> You couldn't possibly do that. Oh my gosh. It's like, like for Star Wars, like it's space magic for, Mm. you know, Star Trek. It's like, it's, this is a fictional universe. This is not, it's, it isn't happening right now. Mm -hmm. You do understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But really good, really good. It's on the Plus, uh, Paramount Plus. And um, they just wrapped up their fourth season. The, the, uh, the season finale aired last week. Um, Nice. I am very far behind. I think I'm only on like uh, episode three of season four at this point. So I'm kind of catching up slowly. I've been trying to avoid any kind of spoilers. Uh, it, my biggest fear with the show is that it it was it was kind of like one of the uh, the flagship for Paramount uh, Plus. What, what they called it? What they called it before that? CBS Online. Yeah, which is horrible. <laughs> and then Paramount Plus isn't isn't that much better, but it, it no. just seemed like it was a little clearer. Um, their their app kind of sucks. I will say that for Apple, the Apple TV app mm. that they have, it for whatever reason, every time you go back to the home screen, it like has to sit there and think about it for like ten seconds, which yeah. is not that much when you think about it, but it's just kind of a pain in the butt that lag because you're like, is it broken? Yeah. And yeah. I have to always remind myself, like, no, is just a dork. Um, but the show itself, uh, you know, I was kind of worried that it would it would get canceled. Like, it would be the Netflix thing. Like, oh, it's been on for two seasons. Kill it! And, and yeah. um, But they haven't. They've kept it going, and it keeps evolving, and, and to me is is still very interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this season ends. And, nice. Uh, and quite honestly... Uh, Star Trek Picard got uh, getting a lot of like uh, you know hype for things are going on with that. I will t- I've seen all three episodes thus far of Star Trek Picard. I will take Star I'll put the Star Star Trek Discovery up against that show any day of the week, twice on Sunday. 
Season two, especially season one, I think is a, is a bit more of an even contest. Season two, Star Trek Discovery buries it. If you have not seen, if you've seen Picard but you have not seen Discovery, go watch Discovery because it just to me it blows the second season Picard out of the water. Yeah, one hundred percent. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yada, yada. It's not like you're going digging back through like all eighteen seasons of games of Thr- Game of Thrones like you were asking me to do. Like this is. 18 seasons come on now that's what it feels like when you're stuck in like dungeons and dragons land and you got all this stuff going on you're like oh and the thus in the you know the the lance master and oh for god's sake don't know what you're missing out on man no i'm pretty sure i do i'm I'm good with that (laughs) so anyways thank you all for tuning in we appreciate you for sticking through this Uh, we're now in hour 20 of our of our region four episode we thank you for sticking around this long seriously though thank you for tuning in for downloading and listening we do appreciate it we are just a a pair of humble idiots here on the interwebs who are just happy to have anyone listen to them because quite honestly none of our family listens to these episodes (laughs) whatsoever come on uh well actually is heather listening still hey heather how you doing if you are listening but yeah, our wives totally don't listen. And quite honestly, after listening to us for three hours, you probably are like, there's a reason why they aren't listening to you. <laughs> if you if you two jibber jabber this much oh, on the podcast and they have to listen to you 24 hours a day, you ought to be glad that you're still alive. They haven't yeah. smothered you in your sleep. At least I'm speaking just for myself. Tim is a, is a lovely human being who, you know. Me, I'm just a jerk. Anyways, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. If you want to listen more, which you ought to, you ought to subscribe. So go to freerangeedc.com. All of our episodes are listed there. You can subscribe directly through Podbean and the Podbean app. If you don't want to do that, if you have another podcast purveyor of your choice, go ahead and search for Free Range Idiocy on there. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio for certain. There's a few others that I cannot recall at this moment. If you're, if you go on to your uh, purveyor of choice, podcast streamer of choice, and we're not on there, what I want you to do is I want you to send a message to Tim at FreeRangeIDC.com, and the man they call Tim will let me know mm-hmm. to get your uh, episodes hooked up on that service, and I will get there. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, also send a an, an email to Tim at FreeRangeIDC.com. A suggestion for a show, even, or just to say hello, uh, perhaps a, a good banana bread recipe. What, mm. Whatever strikes your fancy, go ahead. Oh, actually, don't send the banana bread recipes to Tim. He can't. He doesn't eat. He doesn't eat carbs at all. No, so I don't. Maybe like a maybe like a good steak seasoning would be a good choice for Tim. Mm. Uh, however, what steak is always seasoning. a good choice is to like us on the social medias because we love us some us. So you go on the mm-hmm. you're, if you're on the Facebook, if you're on the Twitter, or if you're on the Instagram, we are on all of those at Free Range Idiots. You'll find us, follow us, and then just like and retweet or share or just, you know, whatever you do on Instagram. Just, you know, do it to the max and just annoy all of your friends and they'll love you for it. Maybe. Now, we finally come to the part of the show where I stop flapping my gums, which raises a gigantic hallelujah from the congregation. I'm going to hand this over, but not before... I ask the second most important question ever in human history. The first, of course, being, what is hip? The second being, the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, we have learned the following. Uh, ah. We have learned that uh, Free Range Idiocy is a an oasis for Uncle Todd to vent, to exercise the demons of the day, and to come back to his zen-like existence of unity for all, <laughs> dissonance for none. Oh, wait, you're serious? <laughs> 
I thought oh. you were being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. I know, being serious. Oh. Being serious. Were you being serious about being? Are you being sarcastic about being serious then? Uh, yes. Okay, this is getting into like Bugs Bunny Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> My brain hurts. Proceed. We have learned uh, that the great Christopher Lloyd Marty coming to Mando Grace season Scott. three and is still lighting up the Twitter scape uh, even three days after the announcement. So uh, I think a lot of people excited to see what sort of crazed mountain dwelling caveman he's going to be on that show. Watch it. Watch. He's going to play it totally straight. <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be buttoned down. It's gonna be like he'll be under all kinds of prosthetics. Like you won't even be able to tell it's Christopher Lloyd. It'll be like mm. Simon Pegg when he was in The Force Awakens. Yeah, and nobody knew that was Simon Pegg. That's, That's exactly right. what's gonna be for That's Christopher right. Lloyd. And is and he, you know what? He's gonna be laughing his ass off. Indeed. That, Indeed. It'll be one big troll on everybody. It'll be great. Uh, we have learned the BSG re- uh, reboot is probably uh, even in more trouble than it was, you know, six months, twelve months, eighteen months ago when they announced it. But still, nothing. And Can there something won't be that anything. is a complete impossibility and just wasn't going to happen be in trouble at all. Because I, I mean, know. it would actually be in more trouble if they were making progress. Because if this is a whole money laundering scheme, the one thing you don't want to do is like have anything happen, right? Well, right. I mean, I think we we're. I, I was doing recordings of this uh, fine podcast in my garage, which was in the early days uh, when we first started talking about this, and there's been no movement. That was like two years ago. That was pre-pandemic. And if if you keep playing Civilization VI at the rate you are, you're going to be back out in the garage on a full-time basis. You'd be recording on those two recycling bins again. Uncle Todd is not wrong. So, (laughs) indeed. Uh, and, you know, if you have a chance to check out on, if you're a subscriber to the Peacock, do, do check out WrestleMania 10, the ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. It is a classic, classic match and was the introduction of, of a, an iconic match type into the wrestling world uh, via pay-per-view. Uh, hey, yo. Oh, yo. Oh, yeah, man. Um, and finally, uh, as we saw in the brackets here, a uh, man they call Tim, maintaining balance, measure, and uh, integrity. Uncle Todd, totally in the bag for all things uh, Katie Sackoff. And, uh, and what's wrong with that? I ask you, and what we'll, is wrong with that? And we'll be having to make some very difficult choices in his final four selections. All of this will come back to haunt no, him. No, no, no. The universe will collapse upon itself. You know what? I've because got two weeks to throw this out on Twitter. I'm gonna like I'm gonna outsource this. Ah, uh, there we go. There we go. Throw up <laughs> I'm gonna outsource this this the Twitter sphere and see if I can get some feedback. Yeah, maybe that's I'll right. maybe I'll just like I'll totally annoy uh, Miss Sackoff and be like, which one of these episodes? You'd be like, I don't remember any of those episodes. You should tap I don't, into who her. are you? You should tap into Aaron Douglas. You should tap into James Callis. I mean, just hit them all up. At least one yeah. of them. Will, will, will and then I can get bad. blocked They'll by Katie Sackoff to respond and Aaron to Douglas and yeah. James Callis. I can get blocked by all of them inside of a week. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, with all that, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you again for going on this two-and-a-half-hour odyssey with us. Uh, Two-and-a-half be... hours? Aren't we further than that? Well, you said 20 hours. I divided by 10. So, uh, two oh, and actually, a half we hours. are. We're, right, we're, we're actually, this is actually going to not be too horrible. That's okay. I know. I know. But you got anything else you want to talk about while we're here? No, I'm trying to end this. <laughs> <laughs> the congregation is just saying, quiet over there. I've had three seltzers. I'm all full of quinine and bubbles. Oh, oh good Lord. 
Anyways, uh, thank you again for joining us on this two-and-a-half-hour odyssey. And uh, as we take a week off and, and uh, reflect and uh, you know meditate uh, as, as we consider the uh, process of, of doing the adjudicate next uh, episode of our final four and uh, relevate, and uh, I'm just making up words now. <laughs> I'm just letting you go. I don't have the strength anymore. I give up. When you go in your Nipsey Russell routine, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Oh, and Uncle Todd will not retaliate. Uh, but anyways. It brings him joy. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you again. And uh, as we like to uh, close our show, be safe, uh, be kind, uh, be, good to, be good to one another, be healthy. And as always, uh, just because uh, it's, it's going to be a, a week or more before we have another episode, we got to save on the energy bills. So please, would you hit the lights on the way out? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! <laughs> you are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. I think one of my favorite things about that outro is the fact that you you talked about you were going to meditate, and I'm just trying to picture you with your with your legs crossed up like that and meditating, like oh, <laughs> and then trying to uncurl yourself from that position. My back. You, you'd be yelling, "Help me! Help me! I think I sprained my taint." Now get the hell out of here.